Cinemigos, a podcast all about expanding the cinematic horizons of its hosts, John. Okay, sir, you're a Lebowski, I'm a Lebowski, that's terrific. Rob. Do I feel lucky? Well, do you, punk? And Hydroburg. What country you from? What? what? ain't no country I ever heard of. They speak English and what? and welcome to Cinemigos, a podcast all about expanding our cinematic horizons. I'm your host, the cinematic archaeologist, Rob, and today we'll be exploring my pick, M, from 1931, directed by Fritz Lang. But before that, let's go ahead and introduce the rest of the group. All hail, it's Hyderberg. How you doing, buddy? Oh, I don't know if I like that title for this particular movie. <laughs> Being no, a German not, film. Not you have a snazzy little tag, though. I like that. The cinematic archaeologist. I dig it. <laughs> What's going on, we, guys? You want, I can change that if you want. Nah, it's good. I like it. <laughs> and we got the kinetic onslaught. John, how you doing, buddy? Yo, 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 yo. Doing good, man. Happy to be back. Happy to be back at it. Pumped up about it. Ready to talk about this film. Just real jacked yeah. up about life. You know what I mean? Hell yeah, buddy. Uh, yeah, I'm excited to talk about M. Um, well, why why did I choose this? Um, I don't know. Why well, did you? <laughs> you know, I don't... I've looked at my picks and it's like, I have a lot of foreign movies that I chose. I didn't know I was going to be the foreign movie guy, but, yeah, oh, you know, that's I know how it, it is. <laughs> uh, no, I, I like this director a lot. Uh, Fritz Lang, he is a very innovative director and has inspired uh, a lot of, like, uh, film... Uh, new film techniques and like kind of changed the course of film history and he's uh, yeah he's a he's a big innovator and the other thing is like peter lorry who is you know i'm i'm part hungarian so anytime that there's a, a starring uh, one of the starring roles as a hungarian i'm always interested so peter lorry is one of my guys and he's kind of a big icon of like that era especially when, like uh you know especially when it comes like horror films he's a big guy um so Rob, I, have you ever seen the movie um conan the hungarian conan the hungarian no but i would watch that if that was a film yeah, it's like a hungarian bootleg of, of conan that, are you are you being serious that's a real no film? i'm kidding that'd be awesome though wouldn't it <laughs> <laughs> you had me for a second right, uh anyway. yeah so, so i and the fact that it's i also really love films from this era like the early 30s before just as we're coming out of the silent era into the sound era, because nobody really knows what to do. <laughs> and so everyone's kind of like figuring out how to incorporate sound into these films. And so, and first line was one of the more innovative guys. And we'll, we'll talk about that as we talk about the film. Um, I'm assuming that most you two have not seen this film. Yeah, that's a safe assumption there, Rob. Uh, nope. That was a, that was a, a new one to me. And uh, I think the last two of your films I had to watch with subtitles on. And uh, I was like, Jesus, dude, you got you got to be locked in to watch a subtitled movie, dude. Because normally I'll, you know, look over to the left and, you know, fuck yeah. around on the computer for a second or, you know, thumbs through some shit. But when you do, I start to do that. And then all of a sudden I realize, like, oh, I have to rewind a minute and a half because I have no fucking idea what they just said. 
Yeah, that's uh, that is like something with like foreign and silent films. You do kind of have to stay fairly locked in because you don't have i mean unless you know german like you have yeah. to, <laughs> or japanese or whatever language you're listening to right you right. gotta stay locked in yeah you, you want to hear something i wasn't going to share this but you want to hear something that happened to me when i was watching the movie yeah boy. The so i'm watching the subtitles and no spoilers yet because we haven't hit that point but there's a reveal towards the end and i'm watching it so i'm like really engaged and i'm going i'm like you know what i got half of a wrap still from earlier that i was eating i, I I'm kind of hungry. I'll eat it while I watch. You know, I go to grab it. I open the case that it's in and like I'm look, I'm I'm looking at the screen watching intently because I'm like, oh, the shit, they're about to reveal what's going on. <laughs> Fucking drop my rap. I knocked it down trying to read the subtitle. <laughs> and three second rule. I got that shit off the floor and I was just like, Phew. I checked it out. I was good to go. Hell yeah. No, no. I pulled the surface layer off and then it was just like went to town. <laughs> but, man, I was like, it was funny because I was like so intent on that one scene. Yep, yeah, nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Now, had you got had you guys ever heard of like Fritz Lang before, or had you heard about this film before? The name like, sounds familiar, but I have not seen this film. That's this was my first watch. Yeah, the um, uh, Fritz Lang. The one film you that you probably know him from is Metropolis, which is hmm. one of like this grand silent epic. Okay, uh, which that is might my be favorite. It, yeah. yeah, which is my favorite silent film of all time. Uh, I. I think it's awesome, and you know, it inspired so many other films based off of that. But that's probably where you know him, know that name from. But uh, yeah, I'm assuming John, with you, it's similar. Like with Kurosawa, it's like you hadn't even heard of Kurosawa before uh, we watched Correct. Jimbo. Okay, yeah. great. That's that's awesome. That's what that's what we're doing here. Yeah, yeah. For me, this was a uh, 100% blind all the way around. Fritz, Fritz Lang, the era. Not, I'm com- completely blind to it. So. Uh, yeah, so a couple. Uh, so like I said, this this film is directed by Fritz Lang. Uh, he's done Metropolis, this movie M, uh, The Big Heat. A uh, very influential German director, innovated a lot of uh, sound and visual techniques, and uh, actually fled Germany not very long after this film. There, I think he did one more film in Germany uh, before, like the, and he actually was fairly well connected with uh um uh some of the nazis that were in that were coming to power and he did not like what they were doing and so he got the fuck out of there you know pretty much right out here like early warning signs of what was gonna yeah and uh the films that he made here in the united states were very anti-nazi like he had a a, like a series of four films that like is kind of like the his anti-nazi uh like films that he produced which are that he uh, directed which are all pretty good mm. um and then uh our I, really this film is kind of weird because there's not really a main character no. uh it so i i wanted to just kind of talk about the our three really main people that we follow and that's so we'll start with peter Lorre. he is our killer hans beckert um and he had a very long and eclectic career He's a Hungarian just like me. He also left uh, Germany shortly after this film. And this is one of his first speaking roles because he had done silent film. And his first English role that he did was Hitchcock's original The Man Who Knew Too Much. That was also done in like the late 30s. Um, we have Gustav uh, Grunjens. Sorry if I'm mispronouncing that name. My German sucks. Uh, oh, he's known as the safe cracker. He's the leader of the underworld. Yep. Uh, his two his two most known films are M and Faust, which is uh, 
I think Faust is a silent film as well. And I think Faust, Faust. yeah, I think it's fairly popular in the horror community. I have not seen Faust yet. Um, And he was a very influential and famous actor in Germany, even throughout the Nazi years. Uh, He was he stayed uh, pretty relevant throughout the Nazi regime, uh, which some people think that he may have like collaborated with them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And then uh, we have Otto Wernick. who plays police inspector Carl Lohman. Um, and the only thing I know about this guy is that he reprised the same character in another very famous uh, Fritz Lang film, The Testament of Dr. Mabuse. And there's and a whole like Mabuse. There's a, uh, there's a inspector whole... Carl Lohman in that. Yeah. He was, he was the same. He played the same inspector hmm. in that film. So I guess M and the Testament of Dr. Mabuse are in the same cinematic universe. Oh, <laughs> Move over, archaeology right there. Little M- yeah. pre MCU. Yeah, exactly. Um, but uh, let's go ahead and give the synopsis, and then we'll we'll kind of dive into this film. I'm How, drop the spoiler warning. Spoiler alert. Anyway, alert, alert, alert. Yeah, when the police in a German city are unable to catch a child murderer, other criminals join in the manhunt. Nice. Yeah, let's you're gonna do it in German. I was yeah, little, yeah, I was oh, waiting yeah. for the German. Like, like, German stuck. Can't do it, uh, unfortunately. But you're drinking German beer, Rob. I thought I am. I am. Yeah. I, you know, Isn't that how it works? German did. That's well, not how it works. I I know. It it just didn't over it didn't overcome me the German. Right. Sorry. So right off the bat, I I thought there was a pretty cool like kind of title card to this film, and I liked the the little kids when their macabre like little game that they were playing. Yeah, um, yeah. I sort of like Ring of the Rosie. Um, and it's like, just, I don't know, you, the kids, there's like songs like this throughout all, you know, generations for kids that, totally. say, that are all like tales that are kind of dark. For and sure. I like that this one sort of foreshadows our film story too. Like, Rob, you said the song they're singing is about the the killer, you think? That, that That's my theory is that they are actually, because uh, I, I feel like our, kill, our, our killer has been on the prowl for a long time yeah. a number of years at least where it's like and kids have like come up missing and found dead and so because like oh it's like oh it's kind of like a the kids are because they have a, a weird way of like adapting and so they make up these fucked up songs about like oh yeah, shit my friends are dying. It's, it's like a cautionary tale but it's you know they're the kids are creating it so it's it's like you a know, coping mechanism or something. Yeah, and it's wrapped yeah. around more happier things, you know, kiddie kid things. But at the end of the day, it's still a tale about some dark shit. Yeah. yeah. So I I feel like this is a song that that has been created about this killer, and because the the one of the uh, like the moms in the apartment building that the kids are playing at, she's like, you know, stop singing that fucked up song. Like it's yeah, don't yeah. it it's so yeah. she yeah they get yelled at. And, so, and the other mom's like, well, hell, at least if we hear them singing, at least we know they're there. Right. You know, they're not they're not gone. So yeah, it's kind of like playing. so that's why I kind of I, my theory. And I don't know if 100 percent sure, but my theory is, is that this is about our killer, this song. I yeah, that's that. my read, too, there. I mean, it, it it makes sense. I mean, while you know what I mean, it would be to me, it would be irrelevant to have them singing something about something else. To me, it seems like that's that's for sure. Like we're, we're opening them up. We're setting the stage. This is kind of what's going on. That that was for sure my read too. Like that. And it starts out. We start the movie. It's just a blank black screen, and then we hear mm-hmm. the little girl's voice over over right. it right yep. before we yeah. see anybody. 
And I, I kind of like that opening. Yeah. Uh, especially for a film done in 1931. I think that's pretty right. cinematic. I like that. Yeah. The um, Well, the other thing, too, that we have to know about this time, because this is set in contemporary Germany at the time. This is uh, this is after World War One. Uh, you know, Ger- Germany is kind of like kind of all all of the uh, effects of World War One are kind of set at Germany's feet. Uh, they are under the Treaty of Versailles. Everyone's poor, essentially, even like the fairly wealthy people. They're kind of poor. And you have um, uh, kind of like this underground that like it builds up and, you know, you got like the, your scammers and whatever. Yeah, and I can see is, it. I can see it. That kind of situation generating so, sort of people like making more and more people that are, you know, making means through criminal means. You know what I mean? Making money. Right. Yeah, and it's like you know the the police like obviously they're trying to crack down on that stuff, but like you know they're also kind of like you know it's like they you know the underground is kind of like pretty big, and yeah. this this killer is throwing a huge wrench wrench in the works. It's like as yeah. as we'll find out later on. But the uh, yeah, so like everyone's kind of in the it, it, it the at the time this has kind of allowed this killer to flourish because there's not really a lot of oversight. You know, it's like no one's kind of really paying attention. They're, it they're feels very like focused only on till recently did he start getting more more and more brazen, maybe and killing yeah. more frequently. But obviously yeah. he's been doing it for a time because just to go back, there's that sign that we see. So when we see Elsie coming home. Um, you know, the kids disband and we yeah. see that she's like still playing around out in the streets kind of on our way home. And yeah. she's throwing the ball up against that sign, which we read is that like it's a warning about the killer. And, you know, if, you know, if you have yeah. any information, like contact the, the police, looking, whatever. For in- looking for information poster. Yeah, which I thought was a lot ironic that she's literally throwing her ball against it, which I yeah. thought was like a little on the nose, almost natural selection, like. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But like stranger <laughs> danger, seriously, Elsie, stranger danger. But I do ser- in all seriousness, I do think it's a beautiful shot of the sign with the ball bouncing and then the killer shadow looming in. Ooh, yeah. yeah, it's very cool with the ball against it because the ball's in really like you see it on the camera bouncing off the wall and then the shadows, you know, just you don't see the figure. So you just see the shadow against the wall. And I just kind of like the, the mix there, uh, the way that shot was done. That was sort of the beginning when I was just sort of like, okay, this, you know, this is a very older film, but I'm I'm digging the uh, cinematography already from it. Yeah, yeah. and this is, these are the type of shots you're going to get from Fritz Lang. He is he does have a really good eye. Yeah, there's some cool um, shots in this film for yeah an old film of this. And, you know, it's over a hundred years old. So yeah, we're getting there. Jeez. Oh, just about. I'm sorry. It's like yeah, it's like a little over. It's like almost like 95 years old now. It's crazy. You said, do you ever get like like with a film like this? Do you guys ever think about like how like man, all these people are dead? Yeah. Oh, dude. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's sure. thirty one. I thought it was twenty one. Yeah. Seriously, like yeah, any of these films. I mean, most uh, uh, some more modern films though. You can you yeah, know, it's like, the uh, there's a lot of stars that have died over the years. So you, you could, but yeah, with this film, it's like everybody's dead. Like most like yeah. worked on the film, had anything to do with it. Like it's they're all gone. Like even the kids that were in the film, they're dead too. Wow, what would a, imagine what? that would put them. I mean, they'd have nineteen thirty one. Where fuck twenty twenty three? Rob's picks where he talks about kids dying. Now, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no. So that's, I think that's a great shot. And then um, the uh, we get into killer at this point. Yeah, we and we hear that 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 uh, that whistle. Yes. 
Now, you've probably heard that song before. It's like, hey, where do, where did I hear that from? That was the uh, that is uh, in the Hall of the Mountain King, I believe, is the name of that song. It is. Uh, yeah, in the Hall of the Mountain King. Uh, and that is uh, so at this time, there's no real like soundtrack like what we would get in today's films. Like, you know, there's no John Williams. There's no Hans Zimmer. They had no way of putting a soundtrack onto a film. So a lot of these films tend to have a lot more silence, uh, either by um, because they had no other option or they didn't really know what to do. Or in this case with Fritz Lang, because he did have some techniques that he was trying to use. He actually purposely chose not to use music in a lot of uh, uh, in a lot of scenes so that when he did introduce certain things, he would introduce a motif. So that it would be more like uh, it kind of like smacking in the face. It was more a deliberate choice of his. Um, Interesting. Yeah. And part of the reason was, is that they didn't have any microphones that could like move around like we would have today. So Fritz Lang kind of rigged up something where he would have dollies that would carry the microphones through the scene. And mm -hmm. so it would pick up the sound, but he only allowed certain sounds that he wanted to have shown for the effect of the film. So you'll see like times in the film where like, wait a second, there's a car that went by. Why are we not hearing it? There's a reason for that. Yeah, there's a multiple times throughout the film where it's like I, I had to double check that I didn't accidentally mute the fucking TV or something. I was like, what? It's just... great. It's the first one that really when they're raiding. But then I realized that like it was meant to um, show stealth and also build some tension. Yeah. Because yeah. when the sound does finally kick in, it's alarming. Like you said, Rob, it's sort for of sure comes up yeah. all of a sudden and like you said he's he played with the sound so like certain things are louder all of a sudden because in contrast to the silence right before it or after yeah uh but yeah so like you know we're gonna hear we're gonna hear that that uh that whistling by peter laurie's character uh the in the hall of the mountain king you know so you know it's kind of like the it's kind of like the i wonder if john williams thought about that with jaws like maybe he watched this and it's it's kind of the same thing yeah uh that is you know, music wow. To this movie, uh, but I also just I like the initial first cr uh, killing. You know, I don't like I don't love it, but obviously because a child dies. But I like the way they introduce us to the kid, and then she sees the man who is a monster in a sense, right? But we don't get yeah. to see his. He buys her the balloon, and there's like a moment, uh, you know, where we see him just like, kind of doing his thing, where you can see he's not just like grabbing them. He's kind of you know smooth talking them you know or buying them things and then luring them away yeah yeah a true predator yeah yeah and it's just like it's it's kind of sick but at the same time I, I thought it was funny when we see the blind man selling <laughs> the balloons and i i i don't know i he has a sign around his neck that says blind <laughs> on it so yeah like like how do i know he's blind because he has a fucking sign around his neck but i don't know i, I don't was that a thing back then like I was maybe I guess uh, like it saves him from having that conversation about telling people that he's blind all the time. Like, yeah, I'm blind. I know it's crazy, right? Hey, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's what I was kind of thinking, too, where it's just like it just saves some time. It's like I'm blind. The audience just... know that he was bl a blind man. Yeah. Like, maybe, maybe, the, maybe the other two, because we're also like I said, we're coming out of the silent era. You know, there's not like um, where, you know, we're not going to have a guy like stumbling around. Oh, I'm blind. You know, it's like, it's so it's maybe amazing. having that. 
maybe having that sign is like a way for yeah maybe it is for the audience not just for you no, know, like, maybe it was a thing just for him as a way of life because he's a merchant he's out on the streets all the time he's trying to sell his product so it's automatically getting that out of the way like hey i'm blind yeah but i just thought it was it kind of made me laugh just to see that oh for sure there was there's lots of parts throughout this movie that is just kind of like yeah what uh, but yeah, is going yeah. on i also really like the um uh what's her name elsie elsie's mom yeah like who's a very handsome woman as G baby from wax and the porpoise would say, yeah. but she, like, you know, she's calling out for Elsie cause she hasn't gotten home yet. And she sees the Elsie. other moving, like coming in and stuff. And she's like looking for her. She's like calling out to her. And there's some really cool shots of like spots where she would be or should be, but she's not. Mm-hmm. And we get that vertical shot of the staircase of like vertigo. The- I, yeah. I thought of vertigo when I saw it, when I saw that. I could see that. And like the way he shot that, I thought it was really interesting. And just like the there's like a desolate nature to it where like she should be in this this staircase right now or hallway or somewhere like on her way home. But she's not. Yeah. Or on the, or on the playground or like it's like all these like uh, she's not at her. If she's not at home, there's the empty the empty seat. There's the empty staircase. There's the empty playground and all these places where she should be. And she's not. And then we and get then- and then we get the crazy reveal. It's like, and it's it's silent. Like you just hear, you just see the balloon flapping, and you see the ball bouncing balloon that he bought her. Go yep. up, power lines. Yeah, fuck that, man. <laughs> but it didn't. It just kind of got. Stuck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, I thought those. I thought the way they they build up this killer, I thought they do a pretty pretty good job of making them this sort of like because over time it gradually gradually it gets worse and worse and. You know, it starts tearing apart the town. Like everybody's at each other's throats, thinking, "Are you the killer? I saw you with a child before." And then, yeah, this, yeah. This, I, the killing of Elsie Beckman, and, and I don't know if like she was maybe like the like an important like her family was important to the town, but that was really that was the the killing that like broke the city catalyst to kind of get everybody involved at that point. Because we know of at least two others before this, but they're already singing songs about this guy, so he's probably killed many kids yeah he's on a run yeah yeah um what do you what do you think about like you know because like i said this is completely new to you john like what are you what are you thinking about like some of these scenes like how how is that affecting you yeah i'm watching it right and it's like um it was uh you know full transparency it was it was pretty hard for me to get into this one um and i don't know if it is the because there's plenty of movies i've watched you know with subtitles before and it wasn't a problem, you know, Pan's Labyrinth, uh, shit. The last one that uh, you just picked, uh, was Yo Jimbo was, was, I was, I had no problem getting into that for whatever reason. This one was just, I don't know if it felt like it dragged or, you know, maybe I just can't appreciate the shots enough, but this one, it was, it was a little, it was a little, a little tough for me. I can get behind. There's a little drag. There's a little drag. It's, it's, it's an hour and 49 minutes. I think it could have been a tighter, like hour and a half. 90 yeah. minutes a little bit more than that but and the the characters i i think that was kind of the other struggle for me like you said there's really not any a point where there's no like main character and like that's you know usually that's kind of my favorite part of a movie is to like pick out two you know two or three characters and really try and like get into that mindset with them and kind of go through that adventure with them and yeah. so i think i just kind of felt a little lost uh because there's nobody for you to latch on to, you know, what I mean? right, right, right. Not the guy that or the even, like, even, if, it, even if it's like a bad guy, like it's hard. You're like, you're like, even if like, like we're following Hans Becker around the entire time, like mm-hmm. it's, there's no one really to latch on to. 
Yeah, right. I, I can feel like that's a problem. About it yet, but like I kind of got latched on to him towards the end. Right. Yes. Who the killer is? I thought that was be, because he becomes the focal point at that point. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like that's that. I think that's what it is. He is a wild looking man, though, dude. That guy is. I he see. looks. Peter Lorre wasn't great. Dog, uh, those bugged ass eyes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I thought them shits were gonna pop out of his skull, dude. But just to go back to your point, um, I I I found it too like it dragged a little bit. Um, but in its defense. There's a lot for this film to build up to. You know what I mean? I say it could be 90 minutes cut clean because that's a mod, more of a modern take. I think you mm-hmm. could modern version of this faster. But also, it's you know, we're dealing with the victims, the families, yeah. what it's what it's doing to the to the neighborhood, to the community, these killings. And then we get what it's doing to the crime syndicate, the crime. These right. people, the police are going on a tear to try and find out. The thing about this movie is it touches on all things in society. Like we get the right. second the police commissioner it's affecting everybody everybody's being asked to do something about it we need to find this killer and get him off the streets now everybody's scared and then like the crime i love that the crime syndicate gets involved and they're sort of like well the police are in everybody's business now and we can't conduct our businesses anymore like we're the spotlight's everywhere there's a curfew like how are we supposed to you know make a living and so they vow we got to weed this guy out we got to find him through our means and i like the the juxtaposition of like how they handle things as opposed to the police. Mm-hmm. Oh, I think, I think that's a brilliant shot too, because you have like, so we see the, the, the town breaking apart. People are accusing everybody. And then we have like the, we kind of get the juxt, uh, the, uh, the exposition dump of like the police commissioner talking to like, I think like, for like the mayor or whatever, like kind of telling mm-hmm. him like, this is what's going on. This is what we're trying to do. The cops are like, they are not, but they're working 24 seven to find this guy. And they're like, they have no time to rest. I kind of like, then, so, like you, you have no idea what it takes like this. Old, and the way we talk about how witnesses recall things. I thought that was interesting too, to realize, you know, like everybody, you get 30 people, they all have a different story, even though they were all in the same room. So, right. Yeah. Uh, one thing is like, uh, so, but then we have like the, uh, the group of like um, the police talking about like what their, their strategy and it also cuts into like we we also meet our our underground group uh, led by the safe cracker and they're like we're working on a strategy and like they kind of cut back and forth and like they're they're coming up with the almost the same strategy to find this guy. Yep. And it's it's it at first like when I first watched this it was like this is very confusing because wait which group is which and then yeah. it's like oh it's a seamless like it's he uh Lang is trying to show us like. They're trying to accomplish the same thing, but they don't want to work with each other. Yeah. Uh, the other thing about this film, too, like now I've watched a lot of noir films and like films mm-hmm. from like the 40s and 50s. And like you always have like the like your Humphrey Bogarts and whatever, like, oh, they got the cigarette or whatever. Everyone in this movie fucking smokes. This Dude, fucking yeah. Crazy. There's that one shot where the room I can't remember, but it's like a like a we talk about down that? aerial shot. And it looked like a, a fog machine was just going off, bro. Everyone is just sitting there, just chiefing, just great. Like, oh my God. <laughs> we get the who can smoke a cigar in the weirdest way club. Yeah, that one. Yeah, that's about <laughs> to each other as one guy smokes a normal cigar, the right. other smokes a long, skinny, like blunt looking type cigar that's like Ben. <laughs> and then there's a guy who smokes like a, he uses a weird pipe that holds his cigar. And, and like spiral, rather funny. Like, yeah, it's like, it's like a lady that's doing like this on it. It's like, what the fuck is this? I've they, never seen anything like that. 
got to see the tension that this these crimes are com- like affecting how it's affecting everybody because right. they have this argument though that like the because there's the their cigar party gets cut short because like one of them starts discussing like oh well the killer's into like young girls aren't you into young girls into like yeah. them and like accuses them of like whatever cheating on yeah his he's like what the fuck are you saying bro so like and then all of a sudden they start going at it and that's when we start seeing it like the the, the cracks in society because of these killings um be going unsolved they've just like everybody's you know fucking their you know tensions are have risen to a point where like everybody's like accusing each other attacking each other in the streets right real yeah situation yeah you have that one old dude too that's like trying to help the little girl and then like you have that beat bus Mm -hmm. guy that comes like what are you doing guy and like they start like looking permanent yeah Rob, to your point, I, I, during that scene is one of the scenes where like the volume rises up as the mm-hmm. as the because, uh, you know, this guy can't do so many. It, it's 1931. So these are the little things he could do to like leave his mark as a director. Right? It was like, yeah, and rise up, you know, so you get the sense like, oh, shit, this is escalating. It's escalating. It's getting worse and worse. So um, and for a film, one of the first films to ever do that. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Hell yeah. Um, the um so yes, yeah, so we we ha- so now we have our we have our uh, our police that they're working towards like trying to find this guy. We have the police inspector Carl Loman, who they I, who all the underground people know him. Like they call they call him all these like fucked up names. I think they call yeah. him like Fatty Loman or whatever the fuck yeah, is yeah, it? Yeah. like what is some shit like that. Tubby, uh, I think one, it was like Tubby Tubby Loman or something like yeah, that. Yeah, Tubby Loman. Yeah, some something like that. The uh, so one thing like uh, Lang is also like a huge like details guy, and he would uh, that scene that like where they have the raid on like the, the like that underground like speakeasy or whatever the hell that place is. Yeah, it's like you know there's not enough ash in the in the ashtrays like, and so they all smoked cigars and stuff so that they could put extra ash in the ashtrays. It's like what the fuck? They, it's like there's not enough ash in the ashtrays or like That's they're massive. not like. Yeah, it's and so all and all the smoking was real, like that is in oh, it would yeah. almost like block the shot sometimes. Like that's yeah. how much it was really I mean, I guess in that time it's like there's nothing better to do, is like you might as well smoke. Ritually does you see him in the end, he like cut you know, cuts it, licks it, smells it, blah blah blah, like twirls it and then Well smoke. that shit used to be mad fashionable, you know what I mean? Like that that was the thing to do. Like yeah. even in uh doing my second tour through fucking six in the city with my wife and it's like dog they that's all they do is smoke but every fucking shot they're lighting up a cigarette it's like it was just fashionable well, they're and, having a lot of sex john and well city. that's a good point i guess uh fire up <laughs> siggy after sex huh after sex uh, <laughs> the uh so after that they um so one thing at this at this point in the film, the investigation on the police's side is going nowhere. Right. It, no, oh, they have yeah. nothing. No, nothing. They have nothing. Criminals decide, and it's a great idea. We're going to use the beggars. We're going right. to hire. We're going to get the beggars as a network, and we're going to have them keep an eye out because there's tons of them. They're everywhere. And like and you they said, and the thing is, what they're what they are offering them, it's like cigarettes and like used cigars and like tokens and like bring them i took that as when they were speaking that guy that was his own stash of cigarettes as a beggar and he that's was right really too, yeah. I misunderstood that. that's how i took it because that, that was my read yeah that same guy and when the killer throws his cigarette down when he's following him he picks yeah. it up that's smoking it yeah. <laughs> i took that as that was his personal stash of like he was just rolling oh maybe, maybe. he had little cigar blunts and fucking uh cigarettes and i was just like damn bro 
I've been there though. Yeah. Yeah, yeah but I think you're right, Rob. They still weren't. It's not like they were getting you know chipped out for this or anything. It was just kind of like they pulled them all together. I think it shows the ecosystem, right, of how it's like the world, how the world flows, essentially. And then when you get something as disruptive as this sick fucking child murderer, then that kind of leaks into all aspects of life. It's something that even it it doesn't matter what background or, you know, what uh, what your professional or what your profession is. Just everybody can kind of band together and get behind this. Like, fuck that guy. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, it's like, yeah, people like. People like our killer, like, you know, those guys get, you know, fucked over in prison. Like, you know, it's like they're not they're not lasting very long. And right. So, like, Which even is kind of hinted in the movie, too. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, that, There's yeah. a moment in the film, too, where they also speak on more about like they allude towards the fact that there's more than just killing going on to these bodies. Like the state, right, they, right. they find them and implies like sexual assault as well. Definitely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's I mean, it implies something at least or that the bodies were very badly like stabbed or something of that nature but i took it as like possibly you know because most times they go hand in hand these dudes right dudes. right yeah so uh that was my read too yeah this guy's just a fucking pervert right sick ass pervert like sort of monster and like we don't there's no reveal for a while so i do think the film does a pretty good uh job of just sort of keeping him within reach of like who is it and it ke- keeps it as a whodunit because to be honest I I actually started thinking it was Loman. That was like my prime suspect when I was yeah. trying to it was myself. Cause you, yeah. Oh, that's interesting. I I didn't, I didn't think about that, but that's, that's kind of an interesting yeah, moment. moment where like they're taking in uh, evidence, I think. And he's like whistling. And I was like, what, why is he, my ears peaked up. Right. And I was yeah. like, why is he whispering? And then I'm thinking, well, he's a cop. So there's not any evidence that they can find. So if you're a cop, I mean, obviously you can, you can fuck with evidence. So maybe right. that's why, this guy's been so hard to find because he's inside law enforcement. Well, and what uh, there's that scene when they do the raid and they're taking everyone down and like, get your papers out. If you don't got your papers, you're fucking going in. Uh, oh, those Germans and their papers. God. Yeah. <laughs> I was, I was just confused about the one guy that comes through the line and he, they kind of like start winking at each other. I think he was just uh, like a, a, he was like higher up in society. He was a little, you know, he wealthy. Word, word. He thought he was just going to be able to kind of bypass it with a wink and a nod, sort of like, do you know who I am? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that's kind of what I got from that one part. But word. then they I also love kind of like some of the fuck you attitude that these guys had with the police force. Uh, yeah. like, There's a lot of that, right? We see it in that bar, bro. Like everybody's just <laughs> getting all over him. Yeah. I was surprised too in 1931 that everybody's uh, even then you get all this fucking back and forth with you know police. I guess you know what police have always been anybody. Yeah, there's all, there's always all this time. Sort of that. Um, but yeah, no, that's an interesting thought that you that you you is because you didn't really see his face yet. Like, so you thought that Loman was the killer. Oh, that, that I, to be honest, I think that would have been a more interesting. Was, uh, take. Somebody that we've been seeing all along. Yeah. yeah. You know, I thought it was someone all... on the police force too. I didn't have like I didn't have a specific person that I thought, but almost kind of that same like trail of thought where it's like, oh, this is I think this is a fucking someone that's that can handle like you're talking about the evidence, someone that is on the inside that can kind of navigate and uh, you know pull the case the way they wanted it to go. Yeah. So know, if they need to or whatever. But well, uh, Rob, you mentioned earlier when there was like the meeting with like the police. Mm-hmm. The criminals. I I actually really like that scene. Uh, the, I like the way the director uh, shot it. There's like 
we're, we're getting all these moments of all these different groups of people talking high society, you know, aristocrats and like people that are fucking in charge of the police and authority. Yeah. It looks like military possibly or something like yeah. that. Higher, really high up police maybe. And then we see the criminals and like, I just kind of like the way it's shot. It looks like, almost like they're all in the same room, except you can kind of tell that like the shots are a little different. Each right. One. Yeah. The way yeah. it's shot, it's almost like, well, this guy's speaking now. So now the camera's on him, but he's yeah. a criminal. You can tell it that he doesn't look like the same guys as these guys. Yeah. I just kind of like the way I, that it was all going on almost at the same time and how he. Yeah. Blended. I I wonder if like how they did this is like they were all given the same line of dialogue. And so they were running through all like they were saying the same lines. And so he shot and then he shot, he shot them, he shot them and he shot them. And he would cut them in. And mm-hmm. so it almost seems like so this is all going on at the same time. I wonder if that's how he did it. That would make sense because of the way it play. It does play out that way. Um, and I, I just I remember that scene sick and I was like, oh, this is pretty cool. It reminded me of like a well, like a Guy Ritchie scene. For sure. The way Guy Ritchie. Oh, dude, wait, which, uh, you know, we'll be talking about, uh, you know, uh, a Guy Ritchie film here in a few weeks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It definitely reminded me somewhat of a Guy Ritchie scene, which, you know cinematic archaeology you never know you know if at this scene of course you want this that inspired him i love the beginning of that scene when that dude walks in they're they're all like sitting there kind of shooting the shit and they're like what's up with that safe cracker man oh yeah dude yeah he's the best from here to san francisco you know and they're all just kind of like shooting the shit criminal style that dude and uh smooth yeah yeah smooth get up Uh, his drip was oh the yeah and he walks in and he fucking pops that door open and he looks he's, and he's like, what the fuck? Are you nuts? Close the fucking blinds, you idiot. Yeah. yeah. And he like goes out. Like, I I it, was like, awesome. just, yeah, it was just I love that shit. That was super- with he, his bowler hat and shit. I love yeah, it. I love yeah. It. Yeah. Oh, his cane. I wanted to see him whip somebody with that thing. He didn't really. Yeah. Oh, dude, I wish he would. It was a mo- So there was a moment where he had the cane down. And he had the leather jacket on. Yeah. And the fucking hat on. And I, I know like, exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. His leather looked better than some other people's leather. leather in the Hell place. yeah. Like some people had some shiny ass shit. He had a nice smooth looking like thick leather. Word. But I will say in that his silhouette, the way he looked with the cane and everything. I think when the Nazis took over, this guy probably became a Nazi. He, he yeah. had a <laughs> prime Nazi candidate. Dude. Well, that that is the theory. A lot of people that the reason why like he ended up still being pretty famous in Germany throughout the Nazi regime is that they think that he was a either part of the Nazi party or he was you know kind of saving his ass. <laughs> the character itself is what I mean. I could see becoming a Nazi, but oh, like yeah, totally. Self is is uh. You know, people think that maybe there's a theory that he could be a Nazi too or a sympathizer or whatever. Yeah, that's yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I got that vibe from him, but I did like his character though, especially he was sort of like the focal point of the the criminal aspect. Yeah, dude, he felt like uh, uh, like Robert De Niro's character in Goodfellas. That's kind of like the vibe I got. Oh, Jimmy Conway. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's I could see that. Like while everybody else is coming up with ideas, he's like, no, we're gonna do it. Yeah. Yeah. Love that shit. And I do like this. So I like when they when they're criminal networks out there and they're like all the beggars find this dude. I love the scene of when the balloon man hears um, the whistle, familiar whistling again. Um, what was it in the in the Mountain Kings in the heart of the Mountain King? In the uh, hall. In the, yeah. In the hall of the Mountain King. Yeah. So we hear it. And as as audience members, we, too, are like, oh, shit, we we know what that is. And yep. then the man hears it again. I know he's blind because he's still got the sign around his neck. Right. On it, 
just in case you were wondering. But yeah, so he's symbolism. Like, <laughs> so he gets the young he's still dude, blind, young, apparently. Oh, fine. Oh my god. Uh, <laughs> he gets this young fellow to follow him. He says, "Can you still see him?" Blah, blah blah. Oh yes, he's with a young girl. They're 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 traveling away from us, but I can still see him. So he has him go follow him, and I just love that scene because the movie's called M, where he follows him. And he's buying some fruit and he cuts the fruit open. You know, it's an orange with a knife and he's got a switchblade. So we're like, this has got to be the guy. This is guy, right? This has got to be the guy. And I thought they were going to kind of mislead us and he's not the guy. So, but I loved the idea the kid had to like put the chalk on his hand with the M and then yeah, back. And I was like, oh shit, there's the title of the movie. They did it in a great way without saying it. And I was like, that's awesome. The fact that this for the next 20 minutes, that's the whole thing of the film is like they're following this dude around. Yeah. Genius idea. Yeah, because like all, all the posters and I think like the one of the title cards is like the his the hand. hand with M like, you know, scrawled in it. Like propaganda fucking uh, posters. Like, I know that, that I was like, I don't know if there was like what they were trying to do with that. It's like I, it's a cool fucking poster. Like if I, I want to get and put that like in my house, I want to get like the M. That makes sense. Yeah, like really into this film and a super film buff, and you wanted like film tattoos. That'd be pretty cool. It looks yeah, like, but yeah, no, I just thought uh, that was a cool idea. I thought it was a natural the way it played out. I was like, oh, okay. And then I well, see- and even the shots during that whole scene, like you're talking about, where it's like him running around, and then like people start popping up around corners, and mm-hmm. then you kind of start to see him like getting backed into a like it was. You know, it's things that I think you just kind of take for granted nowadays, because like, and in, in my mind it's hard to watch stuff like this and, and not, I obviously you don't want to put it to fucking today's standards. You can't, it's not, you know what I mean? But it's hard to separate that. So as you're watching it, I'm just like, well, this just this seems like a simple enough shot. Right. But in fucking 1931, you know, I bet that was probably like, people were like, Oh shit, this is some wild cinematography. But, and we'll get a car and blah, blah. And like, right. Right. And so I, I did, I did appreciate that aspect of it because it, it did feel like a, like, I guess just a modern day shot where it's just like you, you we're going in the different alleys and we're getting the movement and you're getting the guy popping out from here. And you know, that whole chase sequence. And, and it was just like kind of passing it on to each other. So mm-hmm. that he doesn't catch on that. Like there's one guy behind him. So they keep mixing it up. Swapping. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And like, uh, it's like the, um, uh, I don't know if you guys have seen the French Connection, but like kind of like how they're when they're tracking like you know Frog One, and like they kind of keep like they kind of keep like kind of doing like this like three like this triangle movement like where they're kind of switching positions and like they keep following the guy without like really following him yeah. or at least you know so he doesn't they're catch losing on. Bit enough so that they don't they're blending in and he doesn't like look behind and see the same guy the whole time. Yeah, right. And this, that's also why you use the beggars because they're the ones that are on the lookout for this guy right. and blend in. you have the one he attention. put the symbol on him and it's like oh look for this symbol this is the guy. And they're yeah. phone calls like yeah they're telling people through a network of basically like yo this is the dude. And yeah, the so network. John the way that she that scene is sh- shot I did like it when he finally catches on and he's like Fuck, and like he's getting anxious and you're like you sort of like feel for him for a moment because you're like i don't know is this the guy or not like i would be running too whether i did a crime or not because all, all of a sudden i see like people just swarming on me so yeah but, mister you have like, you have something on your shoulder yeah. yeah poor girl she doesn't know what's going on she literally is about to seal her own doom by telling yeah. her i mean that was the one thing saving grace that she had to maybe make it out of this while they're watching her yeah right? 
he does get away. So she, like, it's not an issue. We didn't have to watch a child get killed, but God. Oh, thank God. For the, um, so one, I, I, I do want to talk a little bit like, you know, to backtrack just slightly, you know, talking about like Hans, because, you know, he obviously everyone's looking for him. Everyone's, you know, feverishly like trying, the cops have nothing. The underground is like, they have a plan, but like, they don't really know, even know really where to start looking. And we kind of have the game plan of like what the cops are doing. Like they, they're, they're creating that perimeter. Like, well, we know that like, you know, she had sweets, you know, kind of a sweet, uh, there's wrappers from a sweet shop, uh, candy shop. Lisa, we know, like, we know these things. And so let's go around and see like, if we can find anything, you know, if anyone saw anything. So we right. know like what they're trying to do. The underground is kind of like starting from like, they don't really know where to start, but they're going to, they're going to have like a, a lookout network, which they create. And then we we kind of start kind of uh, focusing in on on uh, who turns out his name turns out to be Hans Beckert, and he is he writes that letter to like the to the press, and it's like you guys didn't listen to me before, and like you know it's like you know, I'm not done killing kids, and like and he I, at first I thought he was writing in crayon, but it, I guess it's just, it was like a red pencil. Yeah, um, yeah, and the black and white makes it hard. Yeah. Yeah, uh, but yeah, it turned out to be a pencil, and it's like kind of like on this like really like rough like wood ledge in his apartment, and so the the press ends up like releasing that that letter, which kind of made me think of like Zodiac a little bit. Totally. Yeah. The um. So we have that, and then do you kind of see who our killer is? You see him like kind like where they're uh where they're kind of describing like what the killer might be looking like, and we kind of see him doing like the weird faces in the mirror. Yeah, and like and like his because uh, Peter Laurie has a great face. Like I mean, he can like his bug eyes and like he yeah. just has this iconic look. I uh, and we're we're seeing him like almost like then he goes to like that uh he's like walking around and he sees another little girl and he starts to do like the. You know, he starts to do that whistling again. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, like, getting, like, he's, like, oh, yeah. You know, it's, like... Do you think... And I also... meant to cover up the... Because he mentions later on about, like, a voice in his mind, basically. Mm. Yeah, well, I I kept thinking of Dexter. And not the dark happening. Yeah. Um, You're talking about the scene when he goes and gets the two cognacs afterwards? Is that what you're talking about right now? Yeah, yeah. and he's, like, doing, like, he's, like, grabbing his head, and he just keeps, like, whistling. Like, it's, like, that's the only thing that's, like, I don't know if that if the whistling is the dark passenger trying to like take over, or mm-hmm. is that like him trying to like you know silence the voice out of his head? Well, yeah. I feel like it's important we should go over these lyrics real quick because to me this is like I don't know if you know the lyrics or not to the song. Right? I don't. No, please, please. Uh... Far away in a land caught between time and space, where the books of life lay, we fear the castle of stone. The mountain king roams all alone in here. But he's not the only one lost inside, forever hidden from the sun. Madness reigns in the hall of the mountain king. Oh, yeah. His deep, dark eyes keep watch on his kingdom and the mysteries that sleep safe inside his hall. His towers of stone shall not be overthrown. For eternity, it is guarded by the king. Insanity and the power that it brings. Madness reigns in the hall of the mountain king. Uh, This is where it gets crazy. Come with me, stay close by my side as the darkness of night closes in. Don't fear in the thunder it roars when the mountain king calls all his children home. To where I hid him, we must run. Refuge? Here, but I was forever on the run. Madness reigns in the hall of the mountain. Holy shit. I did not know the lyrics of 
in the Hall of the Mountain King. But that is a purposely chosen song. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. We only get it as a whistle, but yeah, fuck the actual meaning behind it all. God damn. You know, it's... Uh, there, John. <laughs> I think you're becoming a cinematic archaeologist yourself there, John. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm up over there. Welcome to the fold. <laughs> a little bit. Welcome to the series, man. Yeah, yeah. The, uh, it almost looks like your cinematic hori- your uh, horizons have been expanded a little bit, a little bit. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah. Real, the... So you mentioned like the note and stuff, and him uh, writing it. To be honest, the film lost me a little bit there because later on, when the cops are doing their investigation, which I think is one of the weakest parts, is like the the investigation on the police yeah. side is sort of weak. I agree. I agree. I, think I totally agree. Interesting, the criminal stuff, what they're doing to find the killer as opposed to the cops. Uh, and I wish the cops was a little bit more interesting because the idea of like them figuring out like, oh, he must have must have written it on like a piece of wood, a rough piece of wood. And oh, yeah. and they find the exact ledge that he wrote it on. Yeah. Note like and then they find his like his pen, his handwriting. But like, what does that really that doesn't really ever lead them towards finding no. him? Well, and deeper than that, when he goes on, when he goes on and he gets caught and he's saying all that crazy shit like to me that's a it's like so what is is he just trying to save his ass talking about being wild or because you don't purposefully write a fucking note to the newspaper to talk and brag about shit that you're gonna do and fitting to do right and then you're jammed up and it's like oh it's a it's a disease a little bit based on how he seems more sympathetic towards the end right right yeah, I, I agree that, that I was like, I was a little lost in that section of the film as well. And I know these guys, guys like Hans Becker, you know, the whatever is fueling them, you know, they do get brazen and they, they want to like, you know, kind of show like, oh, you, you don't, you can't get to me and all sure, this stuff. Sure, yeah. And like, they like, want to get somewhere, caught, right? There's somewhere. Caught and they, oh, and- I'm, I'm sorry, Ivory, go. I'm sorry. It's just that sometimes these killers, they want to get caught. So they engage with the, the authorities in a brazen way like this. Almost. Yeah. And come get me, come get me, because they're not just going to lay down in front of you. But they do, in a sense, want to be caught sometimes. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think there's something between like where it's almost like the guy has dual personalities. Like there's the the scared guy who just like, I don't want to do this. Yeah. And then there's the like the demon inside of him that just like, oh, I want to I'm going to show you what I can do. And like, you can't catch me kind of thing. There, There is that aspect as well. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's like it's, it's kind of fucked up. <laughs> it's, it's, what the it's a heavy film, actually. I mean, for 1931, yeah. the themes at play here are, you know, uh, children being killed and possibly raped and murdered, like definitely murdered. Yeah. It's that's hard no matter what fucking time frame or decade you're in. Or right. Exactly. That's just hard subject matter. Yeah. Yeah. But we'll go back to the underground, like uh, closing in on uh, on Hans is that they he ends up, uh, I guess, going to like this industrial complex that has a bank and office building. Like an office building, but it's like the type of office building that might have like, yeah, like you said, like a bank or like they have some storage units down in the basement. It's very there's like a lot of stuff going on. It was in the attic. It was yeah. uh, there was the storage in the attic uh, area. Um, but yeah, so John, you mentioned it earlier, just like the scene of how they kind of box him in. Mm-hmm. I like that, and I thought that was one of the better uses of silent silent. Agreed. To the the police raid for me, yeah, because that's where the tension really is. Because I'm like, oh shit, they they got this dude. Like left yep. and right, bouncing back and forth. Yeah, from- that, the or- last forty the last forty minutes of the film are like, okay, I'm in. Like this is we're really <laughs> yeah. like ramping up here. Yep. Yeah. 
That's why I'm thinking um, some of the stuff we mentioned earlier, some of the little police stuff, I think those that's where you get a little bit of the bloat, or at least like not necessarily bloat, but like they're not utilizing those moments of the film as well as they could have. Because once we get to the last 40 minutes, like you said, we're really engaged. Yeah, balls of the wall, yeah. And we know who the, uh, they started finding out like this is the killer. We're now we're following the killer. Yeah. They know who the guy is. They know he can't have gone out. Of, he went into this building. He has, and like they, like they have, they have the building surrounded, the underground network, the the safe cracker guys, and so they're like, okay, he's in this building. Like we're gonna, we're gonna search from top to bottom. And, then and the trick of a vehicle goes past, and next thing you know, he's gone. Except this is yeah. ninety one, so I don't know how many films have done this before this, but that's pretty. The first cool. one I can think of. Yeah, like, yeah. You've seen that since then oh fuck yeah bus goes by or a train or whatever and the guy that you thought was on the other side i'm just gonna grab him right on something something obscures the the foreground right and then your 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 background focal point gets blurred out and all of a sudden you don't know what the fuck's going on uh yeah so uh hans he runs up to uh, what turns out to be the attic area and like he just is hot in hiding and Mm -hmm. he ends up because like the building's going on lockdown and so he get ends up like getting locked in, and he's like, "Fuck, I can't get out of." Like he's trying to escape these guys, but then he gets locked in. Yeah, and you see him like desperately trying like to jimmy that lock open. Like he breaks open his switchblade, and it's like breaks it. Yeah. You know, he's like, all they, "They keep us in the dark for a while of where he was too." Yeah, yeah, we, we don't know that he's in the attic. We, we later a, on we find out that's where he, where he went. We're like, well, how the fuck did he get in the building? And then we realize yeah. this building's populated right now. It's prime time. Yeah. The rush hour. And as soon yeah. as he gets out, we're going to lose him because he's going to blend in with the crowd, which is what I thought he was going to do. He's, he's, you know, he's sits. It's still. pretty comical. The fact that he hung around and got literally put himself in the worst fucking position you want to be in. <laughs> like yeah. you're on the run. You got a mob of people chasing you and you just ducked out and got locked inside of a building. <laughs> like, but I way the shot the way that that scene shot though when he runs into the underground like those columns mm-hmm. and those columns are kind of rushing past you as the camera the camera follows him and then quickly zooms in as he hits the back of the wall in the shadows and like hides yeah I just, yeah i thought that was pretty cool modern filmmaking you know for the time obviously like right it was very i don't know it was very kinetic the way the shot was shot it's like that's kind of like the that uh the early um beginnings of like the noir film style like with like the giant like the big shadows and lights that like kind of like where it separates the darkness and the light um very aggressively brushing past the camera they give you a little bit of that vertigo sort of feel because the film was that's what film kind of could do too because when you rush past things with a certain like lens or whatever like you could make things kind of make your audience sort of like whoa what's going on you know yeah weird but i thought that scene does that pretty well and you you, you feel like you don't want to be symp- sympathetic right our killer but we are in his shoes at this moment we're sort of like oh shit they're they're out to get you bro yeah gonna hide you know what i mean yeah yeah you are jammed so, all the way up i mean and so like they um so the uh our underground guys they uh they break into this building you know, uh, our safe, the safe cracker, he dresses up as a police officer and forces the guy to open up the building of the way. Uh, they- yeah, that shit was so sick. <laughs> he walks up and he's just like, hey, you, hey, you forgot to lock this dog. And he's like, no, come on, man. I know. And he's just like, bah, gotcha, little- bitch. And then like <laughs> eight of criminals comes through the gate once he has. Yeah. yeah, I love and how. He- so- oh, they're at 11. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just you just see a fucking see a bit like 
literally you that's like your one job like word keep this door locked and just keep motherfuckers out like that's what we're supposed to do here and then you just like <laughs> just, well, he's as a police officer at this moment so there's yeah 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 guards you know hit, no pun intended but his guard is down a little right yeah, I guess and then that door opens, and you just see a sea of just like exactly what you don't want to happen. It's just taking yeah. place. Like just the sea of underground thieves are penetrating. That the thing wall. Like it was a high school kegger at like somebody's right. <laughs> that was exactly what it looked like. We're going streaking. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so they break in, and it's like we're gonna search. We know he's in the building. We're searching everywhere. You know, it's like so he's got guys are like. Uh, you know, trying to, um, uh, we're going to go down to the basement we're, and we're going to go a floor by floor search of this place. And yeah. got the guards too. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like they took out all the guards, other locked them up. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, like the, uh, and then like, there was like one of the, uh, like, you know, a few of the doors are like, they have like these uh, special like alarm, uh, like door locks. I don't know exactly how those work uh, exactly. About, like they're, um, the thing that they they have to cue into to keep the alarm. Yeah, yeah, it's like it's kind of uh, a weird device. The key to activate it, but it's just like a, it's like um, you know, like when you when you clock in to work, kind of deal, mm. you know. And it's like one of those kind of where they have to clock in by a certain time to show that they're doing their rounds and that the building's safe. Because if if one of them doesn't, it's going to trigger an alarm that will send a message to the police. It's sort of weird, but uh, yeah. I was kind of amazed. It was kind of, I guess that was state of the art at the time. Like it sounds like. Yeah, a I would imagine. It seems pretty. Yeah. I mean, for the 1930s, that's that, something to send something directly to the police if it's not right on this time. Like, that's pretty wild. Like, damn. And I, think that's, I think that's because there is a bank on the premises. That's why they right. have that. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. And being that there was like a depression at the time and all these criminals, like, obviously, if you didn't fucking guard that shit, someone's coming for it at night, probably. Yeah. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> Especially at that time in, in Germany. Sure. I'm like, what's this guy doing? Like, he keeps fucking yeah. in at these machines. Or one of the guards, you know, they show several guards, I guess. Yeah, three, right? Yeah. Uh, Yeah, so like they're they're doing a four-by-four four search. Uh, and then, like, they're trying to break into one of those rooms with, like, the those special locks. And it's like, don't do that. You're going to set off the alarm, stupid. Oh, yeah, yeah, break yeah. In- from like the ceiling into that room yeah and so we have the one guy that does that i thought i that we got like called the safe cracker but he never cracks his safe yeah i I thought the dude busting into the fucking the room was the one that was the safe cracker because that he he was doing all the safe cracker type shit like you know what i mean like he was busting through the doorway and he was gonna bust through the wall you know the ceiling or whatever yeah, it's like, well, maybe he was like, like he's uh, like because he's so good at safe cracking, like he just became the head of the uh, underground. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's yeah. But uh, so they're looking everywhere, and it's like, well, the only place that he could have gone is like the only one we haven't searched yet is the the upstairs, like the top floor, which is like all the storage units for all those uh, like office buildings, and he. Uh, that's kind of like where like the tension starts to ramp up because they're kind of sort of watching the guards that they have wrapped up. But one of them kind of slips through and pulls the alarms like, fuck, you know, like, we only have yeah. and the signal goes right out to the police. And I thought it was kind of funny that they, you know, obviously nowadays we would have like it's more it's a more of like an electronic system. But, like all it did was send a signal to the police. And it's like, oh, uh, code 
three something, whatever. And they, they're going rolling through this like Rolodex of cards. I'm like, yeah. where is this? Shows is that shows the address, and then not only the address, but the location of where the 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 alarm was triggered. Yeah, yeah. that was Which a floor plan from us, and that was where well, that was like that looked like it was it telling us like somebody in this area right here is where that tra- that alarm was triggered from this yep. building. That's pretty like it, for that time period. That's pretty ingenious, to be honest. Yeah, it was for sure. That they had that Dewey. Uh, the, yeah, the Dewey Decimal System of alarms. Yeah. <laughs> so they're like, "Fuck, we have five minutes." Like, okay, well, like you've gone through a few of these storage units. Like, just we have six units to go through in five minutes. He's in one of them. Break through this that fucking thing. You see no. him like bash through the fucking try to bash. Yeah, that's they know that door. he. They know somebody's in the room because they heard. One of the guys hears him through the door. Right. He heard the scraping when he was like trying to, uh, it was Rip filing down that nail to pick the lock. I get yeah. credit for being, you know, the ingenuity to even use his broken knife to still as a tool to get the yeah. nail and then kind of hammer the nail in and try and trigger, you know, curve it, yeah. door open. And they find him. Oh man. They break through that thing. They find him. And it's like I, I love how like the way like the way that they show him finding him like that giant spotlight hits him. It's, yes. like, it's like their eyes are just like on him, like a deer. Fuck, got him, and he's all. And it's like, and you, see, you see his eyes go like. Yeah. like I've, I've never seen someone's eyes so fucking big. Like I Bro, I don't know how his eyes didn't pop out of his goddamn head. Like it's like without shit looked like marble madness. No, like, I, like all right, let's let's get him. Let's get out of here. And like you have the guy downstairs, like come on, come on, come on. It's like, all right, we're leaving. Uh, they either have him or, or they don't. Let's get the fuck out of here. And yeah, they, yeah. Uh, and it's like, oh, thank God. And like you see two guys, like they have him wrapped up in something. It's like they're dragging his ass out but of there. Pull out the dude who went into the bank through the hole. That's right, because he's he's like he's like searching around. Like I don't know what the fuck he's doing. Like maybe he's trying to like steal some money. He's like, well, I'm fuck. I'm down here. Might as well like. <laughs> Yeah. And you would figure, well, I didn't find a guy down here, so like pull me back up, right? Because he is part of the underground. He's a criminal. Not of course he's gonna steal he, anything. Well, he did, but remember, because they he talks to the cops later and they're like, Yeah, no, they didn't steal anything. Cause they cause at first they don't know what uh, I'm kind of jumping ahead a little bit here, but at first the cops don't know what the fuck's going on, right? And the one cop goes to the other and he's like, Yo, I got the guy. You know, he's uh this guy's always bugged out about the murder police. Um, but he tells him and then he's like looking through the story and he's like, they didn't they didn't take anything. They didn't break into anything. They didn't like the 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 safe was left alone at the bank. And so that's why they're kind of like scratching their heads like, well, what the fuck was he doing there then? And then that's when uh, the cop convinces the other cop to come in and kind of shake him down a little bit. And then he gets spooked. About him, yeah. yeah, he gets spooked about the murder cop being there. And he's like. All right, man. They got it. Was the it was because he he asked him. He's like, who who did they take out of there? And he's like, the the child murderer. Yeah, it's like, well, where did they take him? It's like, and so he's they're like gonna try to like intimidate him. It's like, well, we're gonna lay it all at your feet if you don't yeah. like start speaking up. And he's like, well, I didn't do anything. It's like, well, yeah. you gotta better start talking, buddy. Yep. And he fucking and, folds. <laughs> he's like, all right, right you got so, me. Yeah, that and that's what I was like. So like, okay, so now it's like we know like where. Uh, I also like, I don't know about this. I, I don't know if you guys like this shot too. Cause after like they get out of there, you know, uh, and after they, after they find, um, the, the guy that's like got left behind in like the, the bank area, they showed like all the kind of 
there was destruction there. Like, I mean, they, they kind of oh, fucked sure. up the doors and all that stuff. And like, yeah, yeah. Kind of similar. Like, I thought it was kind of like a nice, like, um, maybe a parallel thing. Like, from the beginning of the film with Elsie, all these places where she's not, she's not there. And now we have this, this area where the criminals were there, but now they're not there. Yeah. I don't know yeah. if there's something like there's some sort of, some sort of similarity between those two moments. Um, but I, I kind of maybe I thought see that. Maybe, yeah. Rick Lang was trying to do something there. So I uh, do, but they got the, when the inspector sorry, the, brings the file to Loman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and there's there's a moment where there's a weird shot, bro. Where we're we're getting the view of what it was uh, yeah. hiding under his fucking desk, and his bolt yeah. is right in front of us, bro. Like this dude Jimmy is like right there in clear sight. <laughs> got some meat, man. Shot too, like it's like from underneath, like yeah, guy's got a piece on him, man. It's like, damn, bro, you got some brajol in there. What, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, dude. He's got, he's got some sausages stuffed Pop in work. there. Got some for later, bro- some brajol. <laughs> going him home, probably from the the break room at the police station. I don't know, but uh, yeah, yeah. But when he does read the file, I do think that was a pretty cool way to show some like exposition, or at least like catch him up to speed. And we mm-hmm. get, like you said, the imagery of the crime scene again, empty. You know what I mean? And but with all the destruction going on, so he and he kind of fills himself in, like. And he kind of starts thinking how, how it what it played until he's like, wait a minute, no, wait, oh, this doesn't add up. Wait a minute, they didn't take anything, you know. Oh, surely this is a, a bet, you know, a, a robbery. And then he realizes, oh wait, it wasn't a robbery, right? And he sort of tries to like fill in the blanks, but he can't until you know, yeah, he interrogates the dude under the guise of like, hey, somebody died. They didn't, but that's how he tricked Franz into. Yeah, because they they said that the guard died, but then you see the guard eating like fucking like giant you know sausages and shit yeah joe was just bothering him man i don't think he'd be channeling down like that but i did like the 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 contrast of like here's what he's really up he's just yeah a bunch of shit like happy that he didn't die today (laughs) yeah uh but then let's let's jump to the uh the kangaroo court uh that the uh that they set up and this is really the iconic setting of the movie yeah um you can tell i thought Um, that Really well done. It was, yeah. So he tell so Franz. Franz is a pretty cool character, actually. By the way, um, I, I I dug him. He had a lot of charisma when you see him on screen talking to the cops and stuff. And it was a weird aspect. Yeah. Like he's not in cuffs. He's not. Like, he they they turn their back on him. Like yeah, that's not how you would treat a you know suspect nowadays. But yeah, he finally tells them like, oh, there's this old distillery or whatever, and it's abandoned since the depression. And so they choose. He says that's where they would bring him if they if they caught him. You know, and so we see like we see an exterior shot of the place and it looks fucking, you know, shitty. Yeah, I lo- did. And I like when they because the guy, he, you know, they sit him down. They're talking to him like you're talking about. He's not he's just sitting there chilling. And uh, he does he does seem like I don't I don't know how to put it, but he's he was just so relaxed, almost like it was like uh, because he's I think he says something along the lines of like, no, nah, you got to believe me, guys. Honestly, this time it wasn't me. Like, for real, I didn't, you know, like I can't remember exactly what it is, but it's like something along those lines. And it was like uh, your song and dance of a criminal when he gets arrested. And he yeah, yeah. Arrested him because they go back and forth and do this a lot. You know, right, right. And it wasn't me, guys. Yeah, I swear you got to believe me this time. In the, I'm an innocent man. Yeah. And I do like that back and forth. And they kind of figure out a way to like, well, maybe we can we can lean on them this way. And that's when they come up with the idea to like fake fake a murder, not fake the, the actual murder, but just kind of, you know, lie to him a little bit. Fib. Right. Jam him up. 
one of the guys died. How do you feel about that? And now you, you're the only guy that we have, so you're gonna be it's gonna be placed on you. It's all on you, dude. Yeah, I maybe like, like a murder charge. Who knows if that's just a lot of time or maybe it's a death sentence. Well, because they, they said specifically, remember that that was always he was always like he because they knew him like and they're like, hey, he's into this shit. He's not really, you know, he's he's kind of uh, spooky about the murder shit. And yeah. so that's when he goes to Loman to be like, you know, come come fucking shake this guy down. And when he comes in immediately, I think that's the 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 first thing he says to him. He's like, "What? Why? Why are the murder police here, or something like that?" Right. Yeah, and so yeah. you see him automatically, just like that, he folded almost instantly, just like, "Oh shit!" He does fold right away. And I still, I was a little disappointed too because I still thought Loman was the killer. In my Up to at this point, and I was like, I was still thinking, well, even though they have this other guy, what if this other guy is just scared and he's like, wasn't. You know, I, as suspect as it looks like buying a young kid fruit and like at that point, we still never saw him do anything you know, like totally wrong. Right. Like, sure, sure. You know, so I think I, you just had the blind like the blind balloon guy was just so adamant about it. You know what I mean? I think so. For me, it was a little bit easier to buy into that. Guy, is the guy who confirms it at the very end, too. Right. When. Right. Right. Bring him into the kangaroo court, like you're saying, the criminal court, which I thought was just a great establishing shot of like when they take the bag off his head and he sees this courtroom and it's like abandoned distillery basement, like the mm-hmm. distillery. And there's just all these people. And you see some of the familiar faces from the syndicate. And then also just all these people in the background, which I assumed was criminals. I thought some of them might be the victims. That's like, what I thought. Too. I thought so too, but, but then like, we, but they're actually, different than we see at the ending shot of the scene. So I'm not sure if I thought they were going to be some of the victims, like some of the fathers or people that want to see this guy die in this room. So they were invited there by this. Yep. I, I have a feeling that that's probably true. Cause we don't know. We only see like the mothers of like Elsie Beckman. Like we only see yeah. like um, her. So we, we don't know. We know that he's killed a lot of people, but we don't know the victim's families per se. So you're probably right that the, some of the victim's families I are just, there too. You guys were handling. I could see them being like, look, we got the fucking guy. Do you want to see us bash his head in? Come to yep. this. And we'll grab Oh, yeah, absolutely. We'll give you some closure. It's the least we can do. But, you know, we got to get rid of this guy. And I just love the idea of, like, this this courtroom, but not a not your traditional courtroom. And like you said, as they're talking to him and he's sort of pleading, like, oh, no. I, he's still trying to maintain some semblance of innocence until the blind man they puts the pictures. on his arm. Yep. Well, the bl- well, yeah, the pictures, he seems, oh, my God, like. Oh, I don't want to look at them, but, you know, there's still some, I don't know, there's still a little bit of ambiguity of like, oh, well, maybe, maybe he didn't do it. Who knows? I was waiting for the twist of like, you got the wrong guy and you're going to murder an innocent man. You know what I mean? But then the blind man's there and he puts his arm on him. As soon as I saw the hand, I was like, it's got to be the blind guy. And yeah, so it's like he can confirm it. And then that's when, um, what's his name? Hans? Yeah, Hans Becker. Yeah, when he sort of just folds at that point and kind of yeah. starts to yeah. unravel. It's funny. The only person to see Hans Becker is the blind guy. Yeah. <laughs> the way he unravels, I, I I thought that was a really good spot of fucking acting. When you talk about his speech when he's yeah. When he's just this may, honestly, I would say this is Peter Laurie's best performance. He is so good in this role. Like, I mean, he this is a masterpiece performance by him. Throwing himself on the ground because you know, be like it's looking like someone threw him there, but it's like it looks like he actually might have hurt himself too. Like he grabs his knee, and I'm like, he kind of bashed. <laughs> yeah, he did. It's not like that was a styrofoam fucking, um, you know, log. Probably that was probably like oh, a, that was probably a real distillery that they filmed <laughs> in. Fucking just smashed his leg into it, but 
he's given it his all and it shows on the scene. I, I, I thought it was pretty good. It was an interesting scene too, because I love the uh, the way the camera like pans to the right and we just get the reveal of all these people in the background and then the table, the makeshift table that they created out of cinder blocks and like wood and their little court. And then like the fact that they were even, they were like, you know what? We're still going to give you like your own counsel though. Not that it's going to yeah. do it, going to give it to you. I like that. So, so here, here's my thinking. I mean, we obviously know like why the underground, like they want their pound of flesh because this guy is ruining their business. Right. Other than, but like, so my thing is like, why the fuck didn't they just kill this guy like right off the bat? Why did they, why do we have the court scene? Why do you think that that happened? I don't know. Cause I was like thinking like, oh, they're just going to have regular old vigilante justice. Because they did him a defense attorney, essentially. Why? And the guy did a damn good job too. That guy was there to fucking like. Do you think it's because like they're criminals and then like they deserve, like they feel like, well, this, even though this guy's killed, he deserves like some like this but they, you know right. they, that's the thing that's the line you, you like everybody draws that line we mentioned it they before you talk and, about that it's like you know we we're experts in the law because we've broken it so many times exactly <laughs> so maybe yeah I, maybe you're right on that maybe that's why they, they and like maybe that guy although he probably didn't want to do it he um he's like you know what like the guy deserves to at least have his say yeah, I don't know because they're all criminals, so they have a different their, their morality is a lot different than your yeah. outstanding. You know, I just think it's like well, I was like, I mean, obviously, like this is such a this is such a great scene. I, I love it. I'm glad it's in the film. But I'm I was thinking this time this uh, past time that I was watching it to refresh myself on the movie, I was like, why why did they even have this to fucking begin with? Like, why didn't they just kill him like at the at instead of your building? trope of and maybe it wasn't a trope at this point, but I mean, it could have been in literature, actually. But, um, you know, the bad guy being grabbed, collared and brought to justice. But the fact that he's not here, he's brought to a court of criminals. You know, I wouldn't even call his peers because he's they don't a like domestic him. murderer. Yeah, like they they're career criminals, like they're doing things to make money. That's right. That's money for them. to survive. Yeah, it's not about uh, sadistic kicks and killing people, but right. they would. Yeah achieve their you know their end goal but i just thought it was interesting to see like instead of us seeing because the the actual real court stuff that's at the very end it feels tacked on to me it's one of yeah my- yeah i didn't i i, I agree i don't like that, that i like this part way better when he when he's at it you know in front of the criminal just yes i would have so if i was if i if i was gonna end the movie if i was if i was the director I would have ended it like where like we know that the police like, you know, they broke in and they and like the ending scene, like where they're all have their hands up. Yeah, I think that would have been a better end. And it leads to like, well, what happened to this guy? That, that is, would have been more. I mean, we can assume that like the police came in, they grabbed them up and they're going to, you know, who knows? Maybe he gets off. Maybe he's he doesn't get executed. Exactly. All the that they allude towards like, well, what if in 20 years you get out like those all those things could still happen? We don't know. Yeah, I do like the scene of the police showing up and they're like, they're off camera. We don't see them. We just hear a whistle, another whistle. Yeah. Different kind of whistle, but a whistle, right? Because the whistle comes into play several times throughout the film. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. And we see that. We hear that, I mean. And then, yeah. And it's also the way it's played, just in contrast of like, the, he was about to get his justice from the criminals. They were rushing him. They were all about to just come in and just tear him apart. Who knows? Mm-hmm. And then yeah. the, the cops come in based on their tip from Franz. And end it there. Cool. The court part, they show like this, like, okay, there's a court and we see these guys come in and then like, oh, they're about to give their verdict. Yeah. 
assuming like we're yeah we're time jumping to like the end of a trial of this guy right and then as that as they're saying that we never actually hear what they say we get the mothers who say or the one mother especially yep like it doesn't matter really like it's not going to bring our children back and the moral is like we need to watch after them or over them better yeah children or whatever and it's like i like the message i think it's powerful but i think it just felt tacked on in with the court part also, maybe if it was played over the the you know, like you said, John, leave, I mean, uh, Rob, leave the ambiguity of like the hands up in the, in the you know distillery and then leave it there and then maybe just end it with the dialogue of the mother's thing. I don't know. Yeah, that would have been sick because that's... I would have liked that better. Yeah. Yeah. I still think it's a pretty like it doesn't sully the entire ending because the actual ending to me is really just like the kangaroo court, like you said. Like, that's the ending ending. Mm-hmm. But that little bit at the end is just like, oh, well, maybe we, you know, like, who knows if studio people were like, you got to add this in just so we know what happens or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, it, it, having a film have an ambiguous ending is like, I, a lot of times movie studios weren't as cool with that because they were like, well, what if people don't understand? They're going to get, they're not going to like it. You know? I've never been a big fan of that. Like, it's, um, I, there's big... ways you can do it and it works, right? But I just, I, I would, uh, I would challenge you to to tell me a movie that that is really good that you like that ends like that that is 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 highly you know uh, acclaimed because for, for me I just but what an amb- ambiguous uh, like yeah to the ending right right where oh, it ends and it's like well you make up you choose your ending <laughs> like I just that shit is ah uh, just fucking tell me just just uh, I do tell like me. I do like an ambiguous. Uh... I think that so there there are there are times where an ambiguous ending has been earned and like like uh, I would give an example like Inception Inception earned its ambiguous ending yes and I so think that, that's a good that, example that that, yeah. that provides like you know time like so fans are like we're gonna we're gonna have theories like no 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 it's this no no it's that and like you have that discussion and we said well we need to watch the movie again those are films that earn it. And then there's sometimes like where there's like like salt. You don't know what the fuck you're doing. It's like no, it's not ambiguous. You just suck. Yeah. This is. I would say this is somewhere like you know towards more of like the. I think the movie has at least earned a little bit. The guy, to be honest, like if I was gonna, the guy is probably gonna get executed. Yeah, yeah. I, I think the ending. They. I think we get the ending in this movie. I, this doesn't feel like an ambiguous ending to me. I think no, no, it's not an ambiguous ending. But I, I would, uh, I, I think that had it been a little bit more ambiguous, have we not ended with like the, the actual court scene, not the mm-hmm. kangaroo court that we get? Yep. Had it ended at the kangaroo court with them all holding their hands up? Yeah. I think we, I, I think it's, uh, not too ambiguous. But even if it, if it's ambiguous, the film has done enough to earn his like. Nobody likes this guy. He is never see the police. It's like Reservoir Dogs, like when they come in at the very end. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, ex- don't see them. exactly. Hear them. Like, put your hands up, buddy. Don't make right. me. And it's like you don't hear them, but they're there, and and that's how the film ends. So if they kind of you had that, wow, that's funny that this film kind of ends in way too. Yeah, yeah, it, not, it, it is a lot I, like Reservoir Dogs. You're totally, right, totally. but it's similar, definitely um, in nature. And I do think I don't know. I, I think an ambiguous ending. Does work, but like you said, John. I mean, uh, saying John instead. For John, you're. I. This is my second podcast with a guy named John, so I think that's why I'm just saying it more than once. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Rob, you mentioned like earning. That's the key word. Is that like uh, there's a lot of films that try to nail an ending like that, and uh, you know, an ambiguous uh, ending, 
and they didn't earn it. The, the, the writing wasn't good enough. The story didn't lead you there. Exactly. So like when it does come, it feels just like, okay, bro. Like it's tropey. It's like, okay, you tried to, sw- yeah. you know, I'm looking at you, Shyamalan, but like, yeah. <laughs> oh man. See, okay. The inception, the inception example is a wonderful example. I really, that, that, that for sure. I makes- would say that, the, you know, had, had, had amb- we ended it more ambiguously here, it's more closer to Inception than it is to, you know, some other, you know, filmmakers that like, it's like, no, dude, you just sucked at writing. Like you didn't know what you were doing. Yeah. It's an easy out sometimes to nail an ending without being like, oh, well, I don't really know how this should end. So I'm just going to give it like, I'll let the audience figure it out. And there's times where like, that's genius. And there's times where it's just like, that's lazy. It feels lazy. Exactly. Just lazy as shit. But you know, this film doesn't really do that. I think it could have done a good way. I think like the, I think I think the breadcrumbs are there that they could have done something and of that nature with the ending because I do feel like the very ending just felt a little tacked off. Uh, tacked mm-hmm. on. Yeah. It I mean, I'm glad the ending wasn't him on the electric chair. I think that would have been like uh, that. Would we don't too, need to do that uh, too much. Yeah, and we do kind of they they do turn him into some somewhat of a sympathetic character at the end, like not necessarily like just the, the, his plight is what's sympathetic, not him as yeah. a man and what he I, did. I think, but the idea yeah. of like, what the defense attorney says, the idea of like a man who's struggling with an illness, like, are we meant to just condemn somebody like this right away? And yeah. kill, or do we try to cure them or like, do they deserve to be, I don't know, like locked up? Institutionalized. Yeah, because he says, why do we have these fucking asylums then if it's not for reasons like this? But then again, they, these asylums are doing atrocious things at this time. So sure, sure. It's tough. That's the uh, you know, and I think this is a, 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 I think first Lang is. I think this is his idea is like he because normally we be like, yeah, get him, get him, kill, you know, kill the guy. It's like and I think there's still that sentiment. Like, I mean, it's like, yeah, the guy probably needs to be dead. I'm sorry. Yes. Like he's killing kids. Correct. Fuck that guy. Rip that is correct. Off, yep. Fucking kill him. Yes. But it, there's also like, you know, but we don't actually see what he's doing to those kids. Thank God. Uh, but like, you know, let's say like he just like. Yeah, he's killing, or let's say, like, it wasn't kids. Maybe it was adults. And even though that's still horrible, you know, it's like, well, you know, it's like he, it's not that he wants to do it. Like, there's something, like, in his inner being that, like, you know, is, like, he can't control it. And he doesn't know how to, like, he doesn't know what's going on with him. Yeah, but there's that moment like, well, it feels so much better when he does do it. And yeah. his face just, I'm just like, dude. Yeah, it was a creepy scene when he's given when he's given the details of like, oh, I'm t-, and then he gets into the but when I'm doing it, oh, yeah. when I'm doing it, and that's like that's the tension. Like, you know, does this guy need to be institutionalized or should we just fucking, you know, take a shotgun blast with his fucking cock and kill him? That's you the, know, it's like that's what <laughs> one of the criminals was just going to start bashing him like, yo, bro. Yeah. Oh, dude, they, they, they were going to kill him. Yeah. Oh, that. Yeah. They for sure, for sure were. Definitely. And to be honest, like, uh, and I'm kind of like a little bit on both sides because, yeah, I want this guy dead. Like, fuck, fuck him. You know, it's like, I don't give a shit what is going on in his mind. And the more we can eliminate like guys like that that are, you know, out there to like this, like they sadistically murder people like that. You fuck that. Say about leaving a guy like this alive is is learning from him. Mind hunters. Yes. Profile. How these people are, like how to track them, how to figure it, how to spot them, how to, you know, how to keep a person like from becoming like that at some point. And like, 
who yeah. knows there's a, a person to do this? Is it just, in, you know, is it is instilled in them from the birth or is it learned? Is it trauma? Like, we don't know. Um, yeah. It's like 1931. We're just figuring all these types of crimes out. Like, I don't know. It, it, I think it's interesting for a film of this time to deal with, all, tackle all these themes. Yeah, it, it, like you said, this is a, that this and this is why I chose it because I felt like for a film that's over ninety years old, we're we're coming up on it being a hundred years old. For it, for it to tackle something so heavy uh, like this is like this is wow. I mean, I I mean, obviously, like you know, the we think of like that time period is like oh, it's so innocent and like you know, people didn't think like you know these things didn't happen back in that day. It's like no, they, you fuck yeah, they did. But the yeah. biggest like, old wars ever happened in between this movie, right? So, like, I mean, yeah. either end of the spectrum, I mean, on this movie, this movie, the happened. world has been like that since the beginning. Of it. Hell yeah, it has. We just, you know, you don't hear about it as much now. We can because of modern news and uh, social media and stuff like that. Now we can hear about yeah. atrocities that are happening in, in the world because they were yeah. always happening, they're just happening now uh, under a lens. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. They're under a microscope more instead of like a, you know, telescope that's looking a hundred, you know, a million miles away. And as much as we don't want to like really think about child killers and stuff, I think a film like this can be powerful to at least like bring to light these issues. There's several movies throughout the years that have touched on horrendous crimes and stuff like that. And they're just like, they're interesting, but also they're sort of lessons to learn. Like, I don't know, like uh, how these people work and i don't know just i think this film tackles the different aspects of like society and how it tackles like our, our viewpoints of the criminals the the higher ups the police i i thought it does a pretty it, it handles certain parts better than others but overall i thought that was a pretty cool th- uh, theme for the films the way the, the the um the nature of the storytelling like you said we don't focus on one person or one group at all um yeah. we do focus on the criminals more towards the end which yeah. i do i do think is the better part of the film the criminals were much more interesting than the cops. Yeah, they were. Unfortunately, I think if you could balance that out a little bit better, you could have like a, a like a perfect film, in my opinion. Yeah, the because uh, I I did I also in preparation for this I did watch the sequel, the remake of this, and from the American the American remake of ni- in 1951, which was technically done by the same production company. It's not as good. It's, it's the same title. Same title. Really. Uh, so M the the M from 1951. You can find it on YouTube if you're curious. It's not bad, but I think this is the better version just of re- this film. Yeah, they just do it in English. That's it. Yeah, basically. But well, you also don't have the mystery of who the killer might be. Like you know it pretty much right from the get go. Oh no, I wouldn't like that. Yeah, there's no mystery. Um, there's. Yeah, there's there obviously there's a lot of changes based off of like, you know, it's from Weimar Republic, Germany to like, you know, post World War Two, like, uh, was it um, uh, Eisenhower era, you know, America. (laughs) So so that's pretty much the difference. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, uh, is there anything else that you think we you wanted to touch on? No, I, I don't really have anything else. I think we really pretty much. We uh we blasted this one out. Yeah. Did you know there was a 2019 remake? What? No, I didn't. What? No, no, no. Really? Miniseries, or it's a TV miniseries. Winter right. in Vienna. <laughs> children disappear for now without a trace. Then their bodies are found. A gift for the tabloid press. For the police, a series of defeats. Politically a problem. Yeah, dude. 2019. M. A city hunts a murderer. 
Does it have a criminal aspect or if they change that criminal aspect up and go with like, you know, the bureaucracy of like the higher ups in state, you know, dealing with this kind of murder and like. Hey, I'll put it in the discord, Rob. Find this killer because my my fucking my uh, election. I did not know about this. It looks really bad on me. 1931. Where are the other ones? Though? This is a tough film to even find because as soon as you put M in, it just brings up like a bunch of actresses and shit. Yeah, yeah, that's why I was like, yeah, that's why I was like, I sent you like the direct link because I know it's on Criterion. I I don't own the Criterion Blu-ray yet, but I will. Um, and then uh, I'll say that I streamed it. It's uh, on Criterion. It looks good. It looked, they did a great job restoring it, and I think they have most of the special features from the Blu-ray, like all the interviews and shit like that. Um, but yeah, then there's the 1951 version, which. I couldn't find the Blu-ray of, but they do they do have it on YouTube. But I did not know about the the miniseries, which is about five hours. You know, overall it's about five hours or six episodes. Yeah, yeah. But now I'm like, I gotta watch this. I didn't know this is this was a thing. Yeah, that's crazy. This is this is that's. I wonder how that holds up. I'm I'm now I'm curious. I tell you what, I don't know how it is, but I could see this film being structured into a longer form story, like say an HBO miniseries, like you mentioned. Uh, yeah, like, that's what it looked like uh, here. So it focused on the investigation, the killing, the killings, like a true, like a true detective kind of style, but also oh, yeah, true detective. Props, oh. Yeah, mayors and people trying to be like, you need to nip this in the bud, and as well as like the victims and the families dealing grieving, and then maybe alluding towards the killer at moments where we get like every episode ends with like a little snippet of what he's fucking doing, but yeah. we mystery, so we don't know who the fuck the killer is. And you could have like a show like that, like a East. Um, what was that? Um, what was that recent show on HBO like a couple years ago? Not uh, Perry Mason. No, East. Uh, what the fuck was it called? No, it was a more East modern. Down. Uh, no. Kate Winslet, I think, was in it, right? The uh, oh, um, East Town. Uh, what, what was it called? Eastern, something Promises. like that. Yeah. Oh, man, I can't remember. I feel like a dick, but because I, I watched it, it was so good. It was a crime. It was like an investigative uh, murder mystery in a small town. I'm about to look it up. In a small town. And it was really good acting on her part too, because I hadn't seen her do something like that in a while. Thing like of that nature. Oh, uh, Mayor of East Town. That's what it was. Oh, oh yeah. All right. If you haven't seen that, I recommend it. I think it's like a six parter or a ten parter murder mystery. Fucking good, gripping man. Mm. Oh, yeah. yeah, but yeah, I could see that with this film. Like if someone took that and did like, it makes me curious about when. When did the uh, miniseries that you said come out? Two thousand nineteen. Yeah, I didn't even know. I didn't even hear about that. That's wow. Because I'd be totally down for that story here that you could you could tell all the stuff that we liked with this and then fill out the blanks with the stuff that a longer form might actually fill in some of the stuff that i have gripes with like the investigation uh investigation yeah, exactly. creative part. i'm glad yeah. that exists i'm gonna check that out yeah well if it if it's cool let me know if it sucks keep it to yourself yeah okay got it. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> all right let's rate this bitch okay right. brother first um, I'm going to go, you know, since I introduced the film, I'll start. I, uh, I'm going to go with a buy it, uh, just because this really is an important film, uh, in history. Uh, so many things, like I said, this era is so interesting to me because everyone's having to change up what they do. Uh, yeah, when the silent era was around, they got to like, there was a formula. It's like, we, they know, we know how to make films and, they could like it was it's like bam 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 we're done 
you know, it's it, it was pretty easy and that you could film a whole bunch of films all on the same lot at the same time and get shit done. When the sound era came about, everyone had to change up their game and a lot of people couldn't hack it. Uh, but then you get innovators like uh, Fritz Lang and mm. uh, it's and he utilized like a lot of the the changes and the restrictions he was under. And I think utilized that to the maximum. And on top of that, he told a story that is fucked up. I mean, it's like, and this is also before like a lot of like, you know, restrictions and uh, sure, yeah, from, yeah. Like, from various censorship boards that were going on uh, around the world. And I, 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 like I said, this is, I was talking about how, when we started at Copland, you know, my, you know, my pick is kind of the grandfather of the crime thriller you know, we wouldn't get a Copland or a Murder by Death if it wasn't for this film. I mean, we we had books that were kind of dealt with stuff like this, but yeah. we didn't have movies that dealt with stuff like this. And I, I think this is really the start of, you know, all like the, the really great um, cop and investigative thrillers that we have nowadays in film. Yeah. So that's why I say it's a buy it just because it's so significant to history and Ultimately, like, yeah, I have a few knocks on it. It's not a perfect film, but it's something that I think everyone should watch. Have it on your shelf. You don't have to watch it every day, but like, I would say, I, I'm because I'm gonna buy it. I'm gonna get the Criterion Blu-ray of it and put it on my shelf and check it out. Hell yeah, brother! It already. What's that? I said what? You don't own it already? <laughs> I know it's on my list. It's the ne- it's one of the next films I'm gonna buy. I just yeah, I I don't have the. Uh, the funds at the moment, but I will. I, I'm gonna get it. I hear you, bro. Uh, Heidelberg, why don't we uh, start with you? Well, or, or go. You, you'll be next. What do you? What do you? How would you rate the film? Uh, a couple, some pros for you. Uh, I the acting I thought was actually very good. Uh, there's a lot of smaller roles in this film, and I thought most of them are all well acted. We don't focus on any one in particular, but overall, anytime somebody had a moment on screen, you know, speaking at the camera, you know. I thought they were really good, mm. you know, especially because uh, I realized like, John, you have that struggle of like, hey, it's hard to watch harder, f- older films, black and white stuff with like uh, subtitles or like things, uh, foreign films. Like sometimes you're just you, it's also a mood thing. I like I could watch those kind of films, but there's times where I'm just not in in the mood to or if yeah, I'm tired, right. I don't want to read subtitles. But um, some people just automatically will trash films like that and not want to watch them at all. And I think there's plenty of films that you can enjoy. And they take you out of your comfort zone a little bit as far as um, being a you know a film watcher, which is what we're doing here on this podcast anyway. Is like we're watching. Right. I wouldn't necessarily pick up off the shelf at a video store, but because Rob watched it when he was younger, or you watched it, you know what I mean? Yeah. Now I'm gonna check it out, and who knows what it'll lead to? Maybe I'll get into that genre or whatever. So I think this film. I don't know. I think it's pretty. I think it's pretty well made. I there's some suspense to it and genuine tension. I didn't I didn't mind the fact that it's a dated film. It didn't really it never really stood out to me. There's films literally that will like I get it. Like, I'm just like, man, I don't know. Yeah, but this wasn't really <laughs> it. I was kind of intrigued. Like, I thought it wrapped me up right away in the story. There's not like huge exposition dumps or anything like that. I think it keeps you going and intrigued. Like, well, what's going on here? Oh, shit. You know, everything's getting affected here. Oh, the criminals are getting involved. What what's going on here? Like, you know. And then you're like, well, I, now I'm starting to wonder who the killer is. I'm starting to come up with my own theories. Yeah. So I think I think it, it's a good bit of filmmaking and writing, for, especially for an older film. That's what I'm really more impressed about, I guess. 
the tension is elevated in it with a use of sound or lack of sound in certain scenes, which I thought it was pretty good. It, there's moments where it feels off, you know, like the first the police raid scene. I was sort of like, well, what's going on here? What, what's with the quiet noise? Because mm-hmm. then I realized through other scenes that utilize it as well in the film that it's like a, a means to implement, you know, imply stealth in that moment and like the quietness of a scene that will sort of just jump off all of a sudden. So. There's other films do it nowadays and they'll have quiet scenes, but they still have a, like a little bit of an underlying mute score really low. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean, or something that a rising noise that will start to get higher and higher to uh, get you, you know, give you some anxiety. But I think this film does pretty well with sound to generate that in a, you know, in a time frame when any techniques were unheard of. Like you said, right. Rob, people are pioneering this and they're like, Oh, sound. We're going to, Oh, I think I have an idea how to introduce it to my films. We got to see the same thing with color and stuff like that. Like, and we, as the, the history of filmmaking changed CGI, practical effects, like we see these moments in filmmaking where there's a shift. And I think this is a film that probably sits right on like that precipice of, um, yeah, introducing sound to film, which is like huge. It's got to be huge. Imagine watching old silent films. We take it for granted, but like seeing sound effects in a film and all like good ones too. I also just one of my biggest pros is the criminal element uh, taking things in their own hands. Yeah. I, I, I love that aspect of the film. Yeah. Best part of the movie. Yeah. I think the use of the beggars as a network was genius. I love the idea of that. Like that's where the, the plot just starts to move along at a good pace. Mm-hmm. From- I think if we were going to cut something out of this film, I would have cut the cops out of it completely. Well, I, I don't I don't like I wouldn't want to cut them out. I would just want to fill them like fill them up a little bit more, like make, give them more depth or something. Show me a little bit more. Like I didn't even know who they were. I, I learned who the like criminal dudes were faster than I did the cops. Yeah. Yeah. Cause they just, I don't know. There was like moments where I just, I don't think they established the cop stuff as much. Like the criminals mm-hmm. just spoke to me I, and I'm not trying to say I'm a criminal, but you fucking criminal, you. Yeah. <laughs> but just, it was super interesting. It was like a heist film when they fought, when they go after him, it was like a, they're chasing them, but at the same time, they're heisting the place because they're like taking over the guard stations and like taking yep. over missions to 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 take over the what the guards do. And I just thought it was interesting the way that st- that scene played out. Yeah, yeah, that last 40, 45 minutes is just like, man, well, I'm I'm in. Yeah, I was, but I do have some cons. It's a little slow, and to be honest, I think the story could have been told in a tight like ninety minutes if we cut some of the stuff that we're saying, like the cop stuff. I think we could have kept it two hours and just filled out those minutes better, those characters. But um, the a lot of movies were two hours then. That was just the norm, I think. The pacing, I think, just takes a little, little while to get going in the beginning. And like I said, granted, like they need to introduce all the players in the film because there's a lot of players in this film. Um, so I get that. And you need to you need to kind of get us on the side of the, the victims and like the fact that like, oh, shit, like this dude is a monster. He's out there. And the way the damage that it's doing to the town and stuff like that, the infrastructure of everything, like, I don't know. I thought that was interesting, um, but it takes a while to get there. And the pacing of it all is just sort of, eh, I'll be honest, it bothered me for a, a couple of moments in the film. But then, like we said, the last 40 minutes really did take like I was like, OK, I'm in it. I think the investigation parts, they just lacked. Like I mentioned, I just I just really wish there was better police work. It would have been I don't know. It would have it would have been like a super, super solid film. In my opinion, um, one that I would probably go back to and watch more often. Yeah, uh, yeah. The lack of music or sound at times was frustrating, but I got it eventually. And also, like you said, there were like limitations, obviously, with filmmaking then, and you know, putting music in and stuff like that. So um, 
I forgive it, but I there were moments where I thought could have been elevated with music or a little bit of music or some more sound effects, maybe footsteps, like when they're walking around, but it's silent. Just give me some footsteps. That would have yeah. been yeah. You know what I mean? Just like the city streets and footsteps and like wet rain or something. That would have been cool. But you know, I get it. I think they did a lot with what they had still. So um and I just saw uh, the ending falls a little flat for me, just like that that very tacked on part. It just mars a little bit that really awesome ending of the kangaroo court, like we mentioned. And I think that's where we needed to focus on and end the film more so than just seeing judges show up and just sit down. Cause like the scenes aren't even really built up. We don't see the, we don't see the, the murderer in the shot. We don't see anything. We didn't see the trial. We didn't see like, you know, a month later or two months later, we just see like the, the judges giving a verdict and the mom speaking. It's more about the message that the mom needs to bring, which a thousand I thousand like. Yes. It's about that. And they were just like, well, how do we, you know, how do we put that on screen? We, oh, we, we'll show the judges at the end of the trial. But um, I don't know. Maybe if the mother had said that earlier in the film, like it, while she's grieving, you know, and then we and then we say it again here at the end. Harken back to it. You know. Harken back to it. That would have been better. Yeah. The cops coming into the room in the distillery and like we leave a little ambiguity of like what happened to the murderer. But overall, you know, with that said, I, I did enjoy this film. I'm glad, Rob, I'm glad you introduced it to me. Um, so with that said, I'm going to give um, I'm going to give it a rent it because I just don't okay. know if people are going to be like right away want to buy it. I thought about giving a slash buy it. But for me, I don't know that it's a buy. Uh, but I think rent it's pretty good. I mean, for anybody who's not familiar yet with our show, the highest rating is instant classic. Buy it, rent it, watch the trailer or never watch this shit. So like I think a rent a buy it is pretty high. For me, yeah. but I really enjoyed it, so I would still recommend it, and I think that's a good rent it right there. Yeah, well, I'm I'm biased. That's why I put buy it, but that, I, I but I understand like why people would be a little bit lower. That's okay. No, I, mean, I, I still enjoyed. Yeah. I mean, buy it, buy it is the second highest form of fucking grade that we have. You know what I mean? So. You know what I mean? Four point five, four out of five. Yeah, yeah. But, John, oh me. <clears throat> Yeah, what do you? Because well, well, I, I know you, you were not a you. You didn't seem to be as huge of a fan of the film, but that and that's okay. Like, what what did you think about it? How would you rate it? All right, Rob, plug your ears, but uh, <laughs> we got. Uh, I watched Yo Jimbo, the last <laughs> film that you brought, and uh, for me, that was an instant classic. I fucking love that movie. Let me preface that by saying this: this one, I just. This was not it for for me. This was a, a a watch the trailer slash rent it. If you watch the trailer and you like this shit looks cool, rent it, and I think you'll get into it. Um, you know, it was it 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 was just a I just couldn't get the time period out of my mind. I think was the was the hardest was the hardest part for me. I just I couldn't I couldn't shoot the movie that much bail of like, well, it was made in the thirties. It was made in the thirties, and I need to watch this with thirties eyes. And for, for whatever reason, I just couldn't get my mind out of that, uh, which I know is possible because, like I said, with Yojimbo, we watched it and t- that, that shit was super captivating. Yeah. So so that what, that's what makes me think of more along the lines of like the fi- I just just the film wasn't quite for me all the way. Um, hearing both of you guys speak about it, hearing both of you say, you know, like, hey, we don't have, you know, true detective, if not for this, we don't have, you know what I mean? So like, I definitely get that, you know, this is a grandfather of a lot of shit that I really thoroughly enjoy. Um, 
It just was too, there was nobody, there was nobody for me to, to latch into. There was no, there wasn't really a character for me to, to buy into the film with and follow him down this trail. And, and, uh, it, yeah, we're it, not like, we're not following a detective. We're not following the safe cracker. We're not following the murderer, even like we're not following right. anybody, which is, right. we're, we're almost like the, I, I, and I get what you're saying. Cause we are like kind of the fly over the town almost. Exactly. Like, so we're seeing everything, which you know, works in certain films, but I could see like where in this film, it's a, uh, we're, we're not given enough. We're like a neutral party in this. Right. Yeah. We're like, we're observing an, uh, an episode of the past. Yeah. Essentially. Exactly. That's a really good way to put it, Rob. That's like, let's say instead of like, let's say Loman or the other investigator was like a young up and coming cop or something like that. And we followed his investigation or whatever. I could yeah. see the film being like a, one of those dual movies where it focuses on two different characters and we see totally. like, up like invest- a heat. and then we see like the safe cracker character. Yeah. You know, dealing with his aspect of like the criminal world, trying to search for this. If we were going to do like, say a modern take on this, totally like Quentin Tarantino sort of vibe or something. I like do. That. I would do kind of, yeah. Like a, like a heat style version of M like where you have yeah. the, the cops and the criminals going after a guy. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And that that's would like, be hey, if awesome. I get to him first, I'm sorry, but like, yeah, we're fucking them up. Yeah, <laughs> so I, I think I think there's a lot of things. I think it's there's there's, uh, you know, with those changes, I you know, and maybe if I watched this in the 30s, I'd have been fucking blown away. You know what I mean? I'm it's 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 absolutely possible. It just for me, those reasons are why I think it's a a watch the trailer. And then if you watch the trailer and you're like, I think I would like this because it does have some good themes. And the last the last 45 to 50 minutes like we keep you know we've touched on this a couple of times that shit is just gas so that like it's literally 40 to 45 minutes of just like go 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 and it hits hard uh yeah. for me it was just too it was too little too late kind of yeah you were oh. lost within like the first 30 minutes and that and that's okay you know this is uh and that's kind of like what um this podcast about don't feel bad don't hurt you're not hurting my feelings i mean yeah. i might hate you forever but that's okay yeah that's yeah, yeah yeah <laughs> You know, it's uh, it's okay to like not like this stuff. It's uh, like I said, we're we're introducing a, our, each other to new things, right? And for me, like this film, I was like, I, I I didn't grow up watching this, but this is like, oh, this is in my era. I love movies from the '30s and like uh, totally watching the innovation happen. Definitely, and if seeing people know this, of this film. People that are into film know of it because I've right. mentioned. At least two people that some knew. people think that this is Fritz Lang's best film. I don't agree with that quite yet. I haven't worked through his filmography. I think Metropolis is way better. Um, but it's I can see like where people like are not too fond of the film, and that that's okay. Impressive shit um, going for an older film. Like there's shots like where they when they find the safe crack or the the fucking Franz down in the in the hole, and they throw him back the rope, and he thinks it's his buddies. When they come up, the film, the camera pans out and does like a quick shot where it like moves up quickly to show the depth of like the hole that he's in and like where he came yeah. from and like he's coming out of it. It looked like just like a modern shot. I know mm-hmm. it's mastered because it's on Criterion and everything, but overall, just the framing of the shot and the, how he, they achieved it just it was pretty impressive the way it showed the cops like surrounding him and stuff. I was like, wow, that looks like. Something I would expect out of a modern film and not a 1931 film. But I'm actually, I'm actually pretty 
proud of the uh, the range that we have on our ratings here because I assume this is going to be a polarizing film. Obviously, I love it, and you guys are a little bit lesser than me, and that, and I'm I'm so happy with that. That's exactly what I was going for, I, and you know, this is your you know your pick, and it's a film that gravitate you gravitate towards more than we do. We just watched it for the first time, but I think overall, like yeah, I I, I understand all our uh, our ratings for this one. I get where we're all coming from. Yeah, totally. So, John, never feel bad about like you know if you hate a film that I pick, it's all good, buddy. If we're yeah. gonna have a moment though, when we have like a a Mexican standoff or something, and yes, Jack. Yeah. <laughs> but, no, yeah. it's just watch the trailer. No, rent it. No, buy it. God. Damn it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Fucking never watch this shit. Like, are you kidding yeah. me? This yeah. movie's my childhood, dog. Like, what are you doing? What are you doing to me? But, yeah. <laughs> Well, we might get there with like some of my picks later on. Who knows? Yeah, no, I mean, I I know what I'm to expect from your picks, but still, those are still some of the movies that I do know that are missing. Like, yo, Kojima was bomb. Yeah, it's so good. I'm so, I'm like I'm really happy you guys like that. Or to see him more samurai stuff too. Yeah, I'm like well, dead we're, ass we're about to watch that, but it's not even stuff. on our list. Like, I'm just gonna go in and start fucking watching some of that shit. Well, just here, off the strength see, of that movie. If you go in and watch something you've never seen, take it. Take some notes. Because you've never seen it, and we can cover it still. Yeah, um, yeah. I know, like, uh, a friend of mine uh, watched, what is it? Harakari? Harakari? It's Harakiri, a- yeah. That's a fucking awesome film. Yeah. So I, I, I took a screenshot of the uh, poster, too, because I was just like, oh, maybe we'll cover it on the, on the we show. will We will cover that film on the podcast, on trust list. me. Uh, it, the poster art looked dope, and he said it was, like, one of the best samurai films he'd ever seen. So I was like, wow. It, it is. He's not wrong. Okay. I own it. It's awesome. Nice. All right. I look forward to stuff like that. So I think, hey, man, everything we're doing here, it's 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 pretty cool. Uh, yes. You guys want to hear what we're doing next week? Yeah. yeah. What are we doing next week? Next week it's your pick, I, right? Yeah. We're going to be covering, uh, damn, I don't have the actual details on the, uh, we're covering The Princess Bride from, I believe, 1907? Yes. Uh, ninth, yeah. I think it's like 1986 or 7. Written by William Goldman and directed by Rob Reiner. Hell yeah. Have either I'm, looking forward to, I'm looking forward to watching this. I've never seen it. What about you, John? Oh, yeah. I've seen Yeah. This okay. Yeah. All right. So we got one, got one cinema who hasn't seen it. So, yes, next week we will be covering The Princess Bride. Uh, spoilers. It's a really good movie. <laughs> yeah. <I'm, laughs> just, yes. So check it out. Check us out next week and um, check out Princess Bride in the meantime. I don't know exactly where it's streaming at this point. Disney Plus. Oh, it is on Disney. Nice. Love to hear it. I also own it. Yeah, me too. You do own it. I got to get that Criterion. I saw that storybook. It's great. It it looks so cool. I'm I'm looking forward to like checking out. I'm proud of the that we cover on this show because I do that with a cut above. So yeah. Speaking of a cut above. Yeah, let's talk about uh, where where can we find you, Heidelberg? Uh, You can find me. I have a podcast called The Cut Above Horror Review. Um me, John, and Jacqueline, we host a weekly podcast, and we cover all types of different movies, just as well as they're all horror, but they're all different types of horror movies. Uh, you can find us on Instagram at a cut above one word that horror underscore review, and you can find us on Twitter at cut above horror one word, and uh, we're anywhere you can find us on your podcast apps or pod streaming, whatever they call them nowadays. John, where, we, where can we find you, buddy? Oh, me? I uh, have a Twitch stream where I play retro video games, mainly NES. That is the Nintendo Entertainment System. 
it is. I have actually recently just changed the uh, name of the channel to hopefully be a little bit easier for people to follow. It is now twitch.television slash kinetic onslaught. No underscore. So now it's just kinetic onslaught. Uh, O-N-S-L-O-T. Uh, and it'll it'll get you there. And uh, right now we're pointing through Dragon Warrior 2. It's, well, uh, yeah, you are. It's I'm been li- a, it's been a li- fucking blast. It's a good game. It is a great game. Twitter, uh, Instagram, all that. Uh, same exact thing. Kinetic, uh, kinetic underscore onslaught. I haven't changed it on the other stuff yet, so that is still the same. But yes, uh, you will find me on social media. Hit me. Anything you want to talk about, we'll have a chat about. Sweet. And you can find me. I also do another podcast, Circle of Jerks podcast. You can find us on YouTube, on X or Twitter, whatever the fuck it is called nowadays. Uh, we're <laughs> at Podcast DOJ. Uh, Instagram or Circle of Jerks podcast. And if you want to reach out to me personally, uh, I am at, at Robo Rice. And if you're enjoying the Cinemigos, where can they find us, Heidelberg? Uh, well, they can find us on Instagram at Cinemigos, one word, underscore podcast. Hey. And on X slash Twitter, you can find us at, at Trace Cinemigos, T R E S Cinemigos. And if we were you, we wouldn't make big speeches. Your head's at stake. your badges badges we ain't got no badges we don't need no badges i don't have to show you any stinking badges